theyeshiva.net. We're up to Pesifiyud, right? Shinya Tesifiyud. That's what you meant with Shuvah. That's what you meant with Shuvah. That it redefines your sin. There's a vart from one of the big, uh, who was it? I think Rabbi Yitzchuk Varker. One of the big rabbis in Poland. I think he said... Him or maybe Rabbi Tzadik. He said that when a Yid does an Aveda, when a Yid does an Aveda, it's a very heavy vart. He said when a Yid does an Aveda, really what he's doing is... He's carving out for himself a new path to Hashem. Sometimes, you know, you want to go to the Catskill Mountains for Shabbos and the 17 is bumper to bumper and it's 4 o'clock, it's 6 o'clock. So what do some people do? They decide to carve out a new path for themselves. <laughs> to go through the... Huh? 17M. 17M, 17Z, 17D, 17 disaster, whatever it is. The problem is it's not a path. There's wood and trees and branches. But the guy has a jeep. I'm all galinctus. I'm wondering if it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes you get more stuck. You know, you hit a boulder and that's the end of your, your, your route. So, there's a path that Hashem made for a Jew to go. Alakim Asas Adam Yasha. The path to go. That's where you go on. And the Yid doesn't have He's going away from the path. So the Psodic said, no, he's not going away. He wants to create... Uh-huh. Oh, that's the Pshan he says in Gemara by the Menashe. Yeah. Gemara says in Sanhedrin that Menashe was a big Russia and he was accepted as a Balchub. And the Malachim said, it doesn't make sense. They told Hashem, you can't yeah. let him. The Gemara says, Hashem dug a tunnel under the Kisiyah covenant and he brought Menashe in through the tunnel. So what's Pshat? Even in heaven, there's Gaboyim, Hashem doesn't run the show. Mainly you have down here, there's Protexia, people run the show, they don't let you have access. You would think that by God, there's a little less uh, corruption like that. Uh, he wants to accept, he accepts you not. The Malachim said, no, he has to dig a tunnel, the Rebbe has to dig a tunnel, because the Gaboyim shouldn't see that he's letting this guy in, because the Gaboy is an enemy of that person, and he didn't do this. So I have to make a tunnel. So that's that type of corruption you have. So he says, no, Pshat is, a tunnel, he had to be Megala, that what he was really looking for, he was looking for a new path, an underground tunnel. He was looking for a new path. Even though in his mind he was sinning, he wasn't looking for a new path. But when a person does tshuva, so retroactively, it says this was only a path to reach to a deeper tshuva, deeper awareness. That's what the Gemara says, that Avedas become mitzvahs. How can Avedas become mitzvahs? They're not mitzvahs. The pshat is that through tshuva, your megala, that the whole tachlis of the Aveda was just to find... Tzadik says, makish You know the word. It says in Gemara that how do you know... Uh, how do you know that you're allowed to be Makadish with a star? Because it says in the same pasuk, v'yatsa, v'hoisa, right? About the get, it says v'kasa v'lasefer krisis v'nasam b'yada v'yatsa mibeisa v'holcha v'hoisa liyish acher. So whenever you have two halachas in the same pasuk, there's a hekish. You compare them. It's called juxtaposition. So v'yatsa v'hoisa makish havia liyitzia ma'yitzia b'shtar af havia b'shtar gemarin kedushin tadav tas. So the pesadik says by every Jew there's a state of yitzia, there's a state of havia. State where you marry Hashem, the state of divorce from Hashem. So it says Makish It's really the same thing. The state of Havi is also the state of Yitzi. Even by Yitzi, it's the same relationship. Elamai, the relationship is going in a different direction. It's going, going to go through struggles and darkness and mistakes. 
but essentially it's part of the marriage. Even what looks like a divorce is essentially part of the marriage. And that's why you have a pella. The Allah is that a get has the same dinam like a sevetayra. The first taishmas in Gittin. That a get has the same dinam like a sevetayra. Now a sevetayra was a shtar kiddushin. Sevetayra was the shtar kiddushin. The get is the opposite. The pshat is, al pipnimi is that the get is also a shtar kiddushin. It's a different type of shtar kiddushin. It's a shtar kiddushin where the kiddushin is going to come through separation. It's a different type of kiddushin. Okay, so that's all the shit of yesh breda that... Uh, that the, the act of tshuva redefines retroactively how you define the Aveda, that it wasn't an Aveda, it was a actual mitzvah, according to that, Rishlakish would hold Zdoinus Nasalekezachis. So, okay, those the Chalpiplimius, you want the Sugi Alpiplimius. You know what he says? The Shem says, where's the Sefer Christus that I ever gave you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I is a Sefer Christus, yeah. You understand? The last, the last shtickle about the uh, you're talking about get pasha. It's, it's supposed to be like a uh, a uh, a condition, a Not doesn't mean literally you give a get, you're getting married. Get a get no, no, is no, a that, get. That's not what I mean. I mean he means I'll pick nimius. The same legal transactions. Though, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You could use a star. You, you could mean, use a star. You, you meant say for Torah. Yeah. Was a kedushin. It's, it's, it's a kedushin, but what was the connection to a sefer kriya? So why is a get like a sefer Torah? It's the exact opposite. Yeah, so no, I didn't get that. The answer is that by a Jew, even a get, even when he divorces God, he's really marrying God. It's just he's going in a diff. He's creating a new path, not the regular path. He's going off the beaten track to carve out a new path. Yeah. Now you have to be careful with this. <laughs> no, you have to be careful. Why? Because people could see this as a heter. Yeah. Okay. Let me go sin. I'm creating a new path. Isn't that antinomianism? Echtova ashuv. It can be other lashes shuv. It's not the vart. The vart is not that a person should say, "Let me go sin," because it's like saying the Gemara says, "When you do shuv, the mitzvah the Aveda becomes a mitzvah." So let me let me eat chazer today, and then I'll do shuv. It's a shtus to say that. It's like it's like saying, "Let me." Yeah, huh? Let me get into a fight with my wife. Yeah, let me insult her. Let me embarrass her. Yeah, and then when we go to therapy and we make up, we'll be a better relationship. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a to live, huh? It says a must speak in the yard. A must speak. And even there, it says in a lot of fun. A must speak. It doesn't mean he can't do tshuva. A speaking means it's hard. He has to fight for it. No, Emma speaking means not. Emma speaking means you're not you're not giving a stretched out hand. The person, but if the person fights for it, they could do tshuva. It doesn't mean there's no tshuva. Emma speaking be. Saying back to this thing that you know it's not a license to go. Oh. To go. Uh, yeah, but even if there. not, you're right. You're right. If I, you could try it. You just might get killed. You might not get. You might not. You might not get. That's from a that's from a business right. perspective. Pascal's <laughs> wager. You're a businessman, so you think. I'm saying even yeah, but away like this, but send also. Huh? no, but I'm, we're talking about the can. You're right. You're right. You're right. I don't quite understand this. Yeah, so there's no place. I say something tomorrow. No, the shlokish. The shlokish says. What was the point about mazel yeshvah? No, it says the Gemara says in Shabbos ein mazel yisrael. That the chatchila they're not defined by the mazalos. So how is that Al-Tarebbe teaches eight mazalis, so is ayin mazalis. Ayin. 
ayin mazal yisrael. The ayin is the Jewish mazal. And the ayin you can always reinvent. It's a chevel, yeah. yeah. It's also brought why Masechta Gitten is before Masechta Kedushin. It's a psapella. It's a big pella that Gitten comes before Kedushin. First, you get, in order to get divorced, you have to be married. It's a big pella. Why the Behuda Hanasi would put Gitten before Kedushin? The Pasuk. Huh? The Pasuk. Oh, so the is because the Pasuk speaks about Vyatz and then Vahaisa. And even the Halachas of Kedushin, we learn out from Gitten. There's no Pasukim about how we make All Kedushin, you learn out from Gitten. Ubala, so you learn Bia, Shtar, you learn Vahadyatz of Vahaisa. Kesef, you learn also Kiyika, Chishisha, Kiche, Kiche, but it's all from Gitten, but that itself is a Shaila. That all the halacha, the Tchayra, the Tchayra should say how to get married. No, Tchayra only says how to get divorced. That from getting divorced, you learn how to get married. It's not, it's distasteful. You sit down with somebody, let me tell you how to get divorced. By the way, in the process, I'll also tell you how to get married. It's exactly what we're learning now in Tchayra. That what? In order to get to that next level, you have to divorce yourself. Oh, so that's on one level. That in order to be married to somebody, you have to get divorced. <laughs> you have to get divorced from yourself, from your ego, from your insecurities, whatever you have to get divorced from. Huh? On a deeper level, it's brought, this is already a very subtle idea, that the real alpiplimius, in marriage it's already different a little bit, alpiplimius, the koyach of a, the relationship between a Jew and God, you see from divorce more than from marriage. The relationship you often see from Gitten much more than Kiddushin. You learn out Kiddushin from Gitten. The Afal Pisha Chata Yisrael, who you see only by Chata, not Loi Chata. When Loi Chata, of course he's a Jew. The Kiddush of a Jew you see when Lechayde is not Jewish. Yeah, Lechayde he's not. Lechayde he's separated. Lechayde is a get. That's where you see the relationship. The relationship comes out. When all the statistics or all the arrows are pointing that he's alienated, he's disconnected. It's over, the relationship is over. But he's not connected, he's not disconnected. Like we learned in the Maimah of Shirhamalis Mamakim, that Afapisha Chati Yisraelu means that even when he's Chaita, there's a place that he wasn't Chaita. That only gets Nizgala from the Chet, it gets Nizgala. So in many ways, the Gitin is Megala what the Kiddushin really is. Without Gitin, you would think. Why are you married to God? Because you're married to God. When you're not married, you're not married. Gitten is Megala that you're married even when you're not married. Even when you're separated, even when you're angry, even when there's alienation, you're still married. So you learn out Kiddushin from Gitten. From the Matzah of Gitten, you learn out what type of Kiddushin it really is. How's Gitten Megala that you're married when I thought you said that there was no get, there was no get uh, because I thought it was Baruch and the Jewish people. Yeah, I, I don't mean that. I don't mean this halacha. <laughs> no, no, I, mean, I, just, I just understand. How do you learn from Gittin that even though it's Gittin, Lamaisa at some level... It's, it's yeah, in other words, when, what's, what's the Lashon HaPasuk? Ayei Sefer Christus, what's the Lashon? Huh? Even when there's Lachayra separation, a get... So mitzad reality, mitzad the surface, it looks like it's dis- they're disconnected. They're not separated anymore. So, and you see that in Be'etzim, there is a return, there's tshuva. So that's megala, how deep the relationship is. For example, let's say you have two best friends. 
and they're very close to each other. Okay, so they're close to each other. How do you know how close they are to each other? When they get into a fight and they, they're alienated and they can't live with themselves and after 20 years <laughs> they say, that's it, enough! So that's when you see the friendship. From, from the alienation you see the friendship. Zivuk huh? Sheni. Oh, Kofala. Yeah, 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 100%. There was a Spanish poet, Shloyme Ibn Gabiro. Shloyme Ibn Gabiro. One of the great Spanish poets. So he has a poem, he says, I run away from you to you. I run from you to you. From you I run to you. Which pasuk? No, it's a poem. It's a, it's a famous poem. Not a pasuk. Thank you. Okay. Of course. The Toldus Yaakov Yosef says in the name of the Baal Shem Tev, why Echtev Lashem Aspikah Biyadeh Lassus Tshuva? He says a very deep word. Not the regular, he says as follows, that generally, why Tshuva helps us, because the person wasn't aware during the Chet of what they're aware during Tshuva. Let's say a person, is, uh, is, his brain is fried. He doesn't know anything. Yeah? Suddenly he opens up, he sobers up, he could think, so Tshuva helps. I yesterday you sinned. I didn't know what I know now. All tshuva works that way. I didn't know yesterday what I know today. So mainly you didn't know, so it was a form of ignorance, of insanity, of ruach shtus, as the Gemara says. So that's why tshuva works, because tshuva is really, there's a transformation in a person's paradigms. That's really what tshuva is. Tshuva means you're open to a new reality. But if you say, that you were, during the chet you already had the awareness of, uh, of tshuva. So that's pshat eim. Eim maspikim biyadilas is tshuva. He already had that weirdness, and still he did it. So pshat eim maspikim. So another, he's teaching echtavashiv in a very deep way. Echtavashiv doesn't just mean I'll sin, I'll do tshuva. Echtavashiv means that everything you know during tshuva, you already know during the chet. Azachet, <laughs> that's an unusual chet. That every, not pshat echtavashiv. I'll do tshuva tomorrow. Let me have fun. Not let me have fun. Everything you know about tshuva, you already know during the chet. So this is the usual paradigm of tshuva doesn't apply. The Toldus Yaakov Yosef, the Baal Shem Tov, his, his teacher. Okay, we're up to Daf Lamed Aleph, Ahmed Bey, the second column. Uh, the second line from the top, that's page 61, right? Miketz. On the top it says Miketz. Sixty-one, Lamed Aleph, column two. On top of the, on top of the, here it's called Lamed Aleph Ahmed Bays, column two. The Gemara says in Masech Chagiga that uh, it learns out from Pesukim. There's a river, a spiritual river called. The Gemara doesn't use the word spiritual. The Gemara uses the word river. But generally, these things should be understood as symbols. 
that there's a river called Nahar Dinur. Dinur in Aramaic means a fire. Nur, nur, nur is fire, D is of. Nahar is a river. Nahar Dinur is the river of fire. And that's the, that's, that's the Mokim HaMikveh. That's the place of Tvila. For the Russia to go from Gehenim, to go into Ganeiden, he goes through that Nahar Dinur, a river of fire. Now this is where people develop the idea that Gehenim has actually fires. Inferno. What's the name? Uh, Dante. Dante. Dante's Inferno. But, uh, you know, if you ask somebody what happens in Gehenna, they'll tell you it's a serious barbecue. And it's hot. It's hotter than the bakery in the matzah oven. And uh, it burns. It's a fire. I'll ask somebody, the whole concept of physical substances don't apply to spiritual universes. So what type of fire are you dealing with? So that's a question. But obviously when it says fire, it's all metaphoric of a concept of fire. So the Gemara says there's a river called the river of fire, and that's the place of the mikvah. What is it made up of? So the Gemara says in Chagigah Dafyud Gimel, it's created from the sweat of the Chayos HaKodesh. We say in the morning, Haifanim V'chayos HaKodesh Baraj Gadol Misnasa. So the Rambam says in Hilchis Yisoydi there are ten levels of Malachim. One of them is called Srafim, Haifanim, one of them is called Chayos HaKodesh. Literally, it means the holy animals, the holy Chayos, the holy uh, living creatures. Chayos HaKodesh. So the, the Gemara says in Chagigim, Mizeosan, from the sweat, Zeya, from the sweat of the Chayos HaKodesh, this river of fire is created. So all, all has to be understood. What do they mean? They obviously meant something. There's something called Chayos HaKodesh. There's something called the sweat of Chayos HaKodesh. From the sweat you have the Nahar Dinur. And this is the Tvila that a person goes through in order to come to Ganeid. And as I said before, even from one level in Ganeid to another level in Ganeid, a person has to go back to another level of Nahar Dinur. Each stage requires that Tvila, which as he explained, what is that really? What is that really all about? It's really about spitting out and letting go all the connections and associations and attachments that don't allow the person to fully assume a presence in a new identity, in a new reality, to become fully involved in a new relationship. And the Zohar says that uh, real people, when they daven, when they learn every day, as he explained, they're so connected to what they're doing, it's as though the consciousness of somebody when they pass away, that's how much they're capable of letting go, of really not being attached and connected to anything, because they're fully, fully present in the moment, as though there's mamish nothing else schlepping them and pulling them in any other direction. That's how present, that's how present they are. The presence is absolute, it's unwavering, as though when somebody is out of this world, they're obviously not attached to anything because there's nothing going on anymore but the relationship. That's how deep the relationship ex- experience with them. And he says, really, it has to be even more than the presence in Ganeiden. Because over there, it's only a radiance of the Shekhinah, and Torah and Tfil is Hashem himself, so really it warrants even more letting go than on Hashem and Ganeiden. Yeah, it's one of the... the Rambam says this. It's not from people, it's from Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Lamata Nasim is a Yosin Shul Chayus HaKodesh. Gemara tells us, Mesich that there is a Nahar Dinur Lamata. The lowest, the low level of Nahar Dinur is created from the sweat of the Chayas HaKadosh. What does this mean? Pirush, so he says. 
You have to know what fire means, you have to know what a river means, you have to know what sweat is, and you have to know what chayis hakodesh is. And it's all metaphoric, it's all b'derech mosh. Pidush, chayis hakodesh, avel yoyne b'bchinus yayin ha-mesameach. Chayis hakodesh represents an intense, supernal love in the state of what we spoke before, yayin ha-mesameach, wine that makes you joyous. We said, yayin ha-mesameach elakim va-anash, that in the grape, which the butler dreamt of, squeezing the grape and bringing out the wine, represents every neshama has within it the capacity to celebrate with Hashem. Because there's an avim mesuteres, a concealed love that is there that allows you to celebrate with Hashem. That's called yayin ha-mesameach, exposing the quality in you, the liquid, the beverage in you, which if you drink it, if you, if you taste that Kool-Aid, you experience on you experience your pre-existing avan simch. Not the meshaker one, which he's been talking about. Right. Recently. In contrast to yayin meshaker, the first one. That's chayis hakodesh. Then you have zayasam sweat. What sweat? Sweat is psoilus shalahem. The sweat is the residue. The residue when the body, even physically, by life, the body responds to the atmosphere, to the climate, to the humidity. Of outside, right? <laughs> so the body produces sweat. So this you would call the psoilus. Psoilus is like the waste. What's zeyasen of chayis hakodesh? The psoilus of the av. When this level evolves into a very low place, you have the energy, but it evolved into a low place. So from this chayis hakodesh, from this holy chayis, from this holy life, what you end up is sweat. They're not in an unholy place, though. They didn't, they didn't have ishtal shalislamata. It means what's going to happen below them? Yeah, I'll explain in a moment. So you have from this ava, you have shmarim upsoilus as it descends loylamazachum. Now here we have to understand a word when we speak about malachim. In our imagination... For whatever reason, we're taught that malachim, I mean, there's a reason for it, because that's how they're described in, in, in Yeshaya and in Yecheskel, so there's a reason for it. But we, we, we see literally angels are uh, white creatures with wings, and they fly around. When you say there's malachim, so what are these malachim? Some mystical creatures, you have ghosts, you got demons, and you got angels, you have malachim. You say, if you do this, you create this malach. If you do this, you create this malach, this malach, that malach. Essentially, a malach represents an energy. An energy. For example, malach mechal, the Balatanya says, is the energy of ahava. So why do you call it a malach? You also have ahava. A malach is love without any attachments. It's energy in its purest form. Malach gavriel is gavura in its pure form. By a person, it's always multifaceted, multidimensional. When you say you create a malach, it means whatever you do creates an energy. And that energy is always in you. It's around you. What says it's around you? Sometimes you see a person, if you're sensitive, people walk around, they have a halo around them. If a person doesn't stop uh, lying, doesn't stop manipulating, doesn't stop backstabbing, so the, the malachim around them, yeah, are... are uh, our malachi chabola, as it says, destructive malachim. In other words, the energy that surrounds them is an ugly energy. Other people are surrounded by malachim of grace because it's the energy that you create. So when you say chayis hakodesh here, chayis hakodesh doesn't mean some malachim flying around. 
Chayis HaKadosh, he says, represents the energy of pure Ava and Simcha Vasha. Now, all, everything, every energy evolves and expresses itself on many different levels. When the Ava, any Ava, evolves and is experienced on a lower level, so then sometimes you have this Ava, which is very pure, becomes Shmarim. Shmarim is the <laughs> sediments, the haven on the bottom of the wine, the dirty, or the psoilus or waste. <laughs> to give a marshal, the Shemish Shmuel, was Reb Shmuel Sachachavar, the son of the Avni Nezer, the son-in-law of the Tatsuki Rebbe, has a commentary on Chumash Shemish Shmuel. The beginning of Parshas Vayera, he brings the Pasuk, Avram tells the three Malachim, Yukachna Ma'at Mayim, a little bit of water. What's the Ma'at Mayim? The Shemish Shmuel says a very interesting story. He says that his Zayda, the Kotzke Rebbe, once said, and asked the following question. A lot to say about this. I'll just tell you what he says there, and then you can analyze it on your own. I'm not going to get into the whole the details of the reality, but just understand the concept. The Kotzke said, "You see a fascinating thing that happened in the world of Chassidus. Kotzke was a Hasidic master in Poland, in the city of Kotsk. Talmud of initially, etc." The Kotzke Rebbe said, "Why is it that you see that by the Hasidim of the earlier generations, they had a tremendous ava to each other?" They had tremendous love to each other, more than brothers. The affection that they had to each other was something extraordinary. And the Kotzke Rebbe says, now we see it's not that way. There's much more machloikas, much more fighting, much more infighting, much more disputes and conflicts. And even when there's no conflict, there's much less that burning love of selflessness that you saw by the Talmudim of Baal and the Talmudim of the Mizrit Shemagid and the early... That's what the Kotzke Rebbe asked. So he said as follows... He said that the Baal Shem Tev and his Talmidim accessed and opened up the chamber of love in heaven. Heichel Ava. There's a chamber of love. And they opened it up. And when it opens up, people experience life in terms of love. Everything, there's a lot of energy. They experience Yiddishkeit and life in terms of love. And when the, the, the capacity of love is opened, the fuse, the, 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 the faucet, the faucet is open. So it's like a Niagara Falls. So he says, but whenever there's a tremendous flow of love, parasites also come in to take. You know, when there's a big smorgasbord, everybody comes to get. Not only the mechotanim, everybody comes to get. If there's free lunch, everybody comes. So he says, and this is a very interesting observation, romanticism emerged in the world. Romanticism emerged in the world because they were all feeding off. He says, the heichel ha'ava, the debal he says, and others opened up. So the whole literature, novels of love and romance also exploded in the world on a level that didn't exist before historically. The capacity, the imagination, the dreams of love and affection and romance. He says, but they took that Ava and they brought it down to Shmarim and Psylus. Because Ava is so powerful, but if it's not disciplined, and if it's not pure, it can also become extremely, extremely destructive. Essentially, it says... All Gili Arayas is Ava. It's just too much. <laughs> it's too much. All forms of uh, people that have crushes and even adultery, which is promiscuity, which is immoral. The Pasuk says in Parshas Achiremais that when a, a person takes a sister, the Lashon Apostle is Chesed who? It's Chesed. <laughs> That's Chesed to be with your sisters. Chesed. What Chesed? That's what uh, Caliglia did. 
the Roman Meshugana, the Roman Caliglia did it famously with his sister. And we had our, our Jewish king, the Jewish Caliglia was Eliakim. The Gemara says in Sanhedrin, he also, he did Baal Imoy. Baal Imoy, he was Chaykik, he tattooed the Shema Mephurish in the place of his bris, and he was with his mother. This was how he showed God what he thinks of him. So we had the Jewish Caliglia Eliakim. That's called Chesed. So Rashi teaches a ganze word that Chesed in Aramaic is Chasuda. Chasuda means a disgrace. And then Rashi says that Kayan married his sister, and that was a chesed, oilam chesed yibon. If not, there wouldn't be any, any children in the world, because there was only one, one girl, <laughs> your sister. Fine, that was a chesed. The Moirinayim brings from the Baal Shem Tev. The Moirinayim, Reb Nachim Shonobla, brings from the Baal Shem No, chesed, who? All crushes that people have, even promiscuous, immoral craving, all comes from chesed, all comes from love. But love, could trickle down and evolve into something that ultimately ultimately can destroy relationships, can destroy a life. The balance of, 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 of gvura in chesed is a very, sometimes a cruel one. The Gemara brings an Erev in Shchoyrez Ka'erev, that sometimes halacha is a dick like an Erev, like a raven, which is considered cruel to its young. Why? A person says, I'm in love, why are you stopping it? Why? So this is not a this is not a seldom thing if you deal with people, especially younger, older. No difference. Sometimes there's a relationship; it's very, very intense. Why stop love? It's so beautiful. It is beautiful. It's, it speaks to very deep places in a person's soul. And then Shulchan Aruch comes and says, "No," <laughs> and it seems to crush the power of love. Power of love. But the truth is. That short term, it looks very powerful. But long term, if it's not really disciplined according to the directives of halacha, ultimately it erodes and destroys people. Even though it seems very romantic and seems very beautiful, all relationships that are not governed by real moral boundaries ultimately are destructive. Because things that are fresh and vibrant and illegal seem geschmack. But once they become, once it's consistent, it get, everything gets boring. When you, when you, when you, when you, when you find this new, <laughs> this new reality, it gets very exciting, right? Especially when it's a relationship with somebody that doesn't come with luggage, doesn't come with baggage. Marriage comes with a lot of baggage. It's not just romance, romance, romance. It's taking out the garbage in the morning and raising a family together. Good luck. And Bechal dealing with each other 24 hours a day. When you taste from the tree of knowledge or whatever the tree is, it's a machaya because it's fun without obligation. And fun without obligation is very tempting. It's all ava, and that's its appeal. So the Shem Mishmul says, Avram Avinu was the paradigm of love. And he said, Yukach no ma'at mayim. Mayim is chesed. The mayim always has to be controlled. Because if it's not controlled, if it's endless, ultimately it can lead to giliarais. Because you're so full of love and there's absolutely no boundaries. And this is a very profound idea because at the surface it could look like the other thing has an ele- the other side is cruel a little bit. is So the Shemesh Shmuel says, the Kotzke Rebbe said, when they saw this happening, they closed up the chamber of love. And therefore the Hasidim also don't have it. That's what he says, the Shemesh Shmuel Parshas Vayera. So here he describes this here he describes the concept that the Chiyos HaKodesh represents the Ava of Yayin HaMesameach. Then you have everything has sweat. 
Sweat is the residue, the psilus. It comes from the same source. But the psilus ultimately is the love in a debased fashion. No, it's, it's in other words, he accessed the, 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 the aspect of Ava. The Katska didn't mean they closed it up completely. It just meant Yukach Namaat Mayim. The trickle is harder to experience. It trickles. You have to work a little harder to get it. Not so available like it was. He says, because they felt that it was this, this choices in the world and there was too much yinika to the other side. That's what he says. They closed up, they, they sealed or they put a lid or they, 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 they were mitzamtsim, they limited, put it this way, they limited the hechel So now the Gemara tells us that from the sweat of Chayas HaKodesh, you have a river of fire in which you have to go to the mikveh in order to come to Ganeiden. And he said, not only in order to come to Ganeiden, in order to daven. Before you start learning, before you start davening, he said, you have to go to the mikveh. Which mikveh? Nahar din nur. What's nahar din nur? It makes the neshamas forget. What do we mean forget? Let go of all the attachments that they had before. Where does this river come from? The sweat of Chayas HaKadosh. What's the symbol? He says, now it will become clear. This is what a person should uh, direct to his heart. A person has to understand the depth of the descent that a soul or a human being actually experiences. Because when we talk about the Ava that falls down and evolves to a very low place, it means it could sometimes be in a very low place. Take even, we discussed this a few times, but one sees this very, very, in a very real way. When a person has an addiction, you don't want to call it an addiction, call it an intense craving to something. And that something, that substance, whether it's a person or a substance, is not productive, it's not moral, it's not, uh, it's not holy, it's not godly, and it may even be a killer, it may be lethal. If not now, tomorrow, if not tomorrow, the next week. Nonetheless, they're, 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 they're pulled to it. At the surface, it's easy to say it's evil, cut off. But we know it's not so simple, it's complicated. A deeper way of looking at it is, no. There is really an Ava here that has a pure source. You're looking for something. And that which you love may not be bad. You may actually be looking for God. You may be looking for truth. But this is an outlet. The love that you're experiencing is a pseudo-love. It replaces what you're truly looking for with the illusion that if I have this, I'll be satisfied. And it works for ten minutes, maybe an hour, maybe a week. But because it's not what you're really looking for, so therefore it doesn't really work, because that object can't replace what I'm truly searching for. In fact, the only thing that can replace what I'm truly searching for is a relationship with myself. But that's too painful. (laughs) Who wants that? Who wants a relationship with themselves? Self-awareness is a horrible thing in this world. It's just confusing. So what do you do? You associate value to this person or this object. If I could just spend an hour with you, or an hour with the bottle, or an hour with the website, or an hour with whatever your imaginary God is, I feel good. And I do. It numbs the pain. But it numbs it. It doesn't eliminate it. It doesn't transform it. Why? It's not really what I was looking for. I was looking for something else. I just, in my mind, I associate what I'm looking for with this, because you may have some quality that I'm craving or, or some intense quality that allows me to numb my anxiety, whatever it is, to analyze why this becomes a replacement. But this is essentially what idolatry is. 
Idolatry means I attribute to you or to a particular thing divine qualities. And I think that you will be able to give me that which I can only get from a relationship with myself, with God, with my own truth, and with the truth of existence. I can't get it anywhere else. So therefore, the more I take it, the more I'm frustrated, and therefore the more I really have to up it the next time, hoping a little more will do it, a little more. It's always a little more. It's never Because it's never that. And therefore, after 10 years, I still got nothing. All I got is a much deeper void. Because even after I met God, I didn't meet God because it was fake. So now I'm just more frustrated, and so I just need more to numb my anxiety. So at the surface, it may be very destructive. On a deeper level, it's really Chayas HaKodesh. It's Chayas HaKodesh. In fact, Chayas HaKodesh means holy animals. So what looks like an animalistic craving, why is it called Chayas HaKodesh? So he says in other places, because what looks like an animalistic, beastly craving is really rooted in an angelic craving. The behemoth is really the Malach, but it's the way the Malach descended and evolved to a place that you don't recognize its original purity. So that sweat, that psilus, creates a river. That river is called Nahar Dinur. That river is what a person has to become aware of in order to be able to drink the wine that is Yayin HaMeshaker that will lead them to Yayin HaMesameach. What does this mean? So he now speaks about the process of this situation. So he says, If a person is capable of accessing their Ava, it's good. That's Yayin HaMesameach. But here he's talking about model number two. You remember model number two was the man who can't be in a relationship. The person who's stuck, the person who can't even have machshavas by davening because for him davening is the machshavah zara. It's not that I'm in a relationship to something disturbing me. I can't even be present because I'm somewhere else. So you tell me, be megala your pnimius. I don't know what that is. I don't even know who I am anymore. Even if intellectually I could listen to it, experientially I can't. Remember, we're not here talking about intellectual concept, we're talking about experiencing it. Experiencing something is a whole different level. So what do you need? He says you need a drink. What's the drinking? Yayin HaMeshaker, Shleim HaMelech says, give wine to people who are bitter, let them forget their poverty. And before people died, Mrs. Besden, they got them drunk. Why? Because they shouldn't feel the pain. So he says, what does it mean spiritually? It means spiritually. That when a person's heart is stoned, stoned, I guess, pun intended, here he means stoned as stoned, but I guess it refers also to a different type of stone, probably the same thing. Or he's burnt, shreif, it means he's just burning with passions, so he's not himself. Or herek, or chenek, so the person needs to drink yayin amashakir. What's this? The person has to lose their mind, they lose their das. So he explained that the Zohar says that you can't be in a relationship if you're not fully present. But if a person is not fully present, they have to go to the mikveh nahardinur. Nahardinur is created out of the sweat of chayis hakodesh. In other words, if I don't realize what happened to my chayis hakodesh, what happened to my av, and what it produced, I will never be able to become present in the relationship because I'm bogged down and I'm trapped by layers and layers and layers of toxicity or dysfunction or fears or anger or frustration that I have to get out of. So I can't access my love. I can't access my simcha. There's too many blockages. And the blockages must be cracked. It's like a nut. You have a beautiful fruit inside, but there's a layer and a layer and a layer. So you have to go through, as we've learned in Allah, there's, there's dosh and boidr and zoidr and, 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 and everything in order to extract, extract it. 
And that's not a Pasha Tamalach. So he says a person has to really realize how, how low, how, the, how deep the descent is. For Yismar Mer Libay Ma'ayt. You know what Yismar Mer means? A person's heart ought to become excessively frustrated on their own dysfunction. Yismarmer is from the word murr, mirirus. Not bitterness as you become bitter. Murr means you become annoyed, you become frustrated, you become upset. And then the person could scream out to God from the stress. And that scream, that's the beginning of the Yeshua. That the person could scream out, What's at sheyetzei midaitoi? Where did he get this lashon? You should scream at sheyetzei midaitoi. This is, of course, what he brought before from the Gemara in Sanhedrin. Tzak liba melashem is a pasuk in Eich. But the Gemara said we learned before in Sanhedrin that what that they used to give each person who was supposed to get the death penalty. Go out of your mind. Literally, it means you say this guy is out of his mind, right? How do we touch sheyetzei midaitoi? You're insane. You're drunk. This guy is so inebriated. You're not alert. You're not conscious anymore. Don't drink and drive. But here he touches Yetzi Midaito in a very positive way. Yetzi Midaito Pirush Midaito Yomachshafter Shayakosher Bakol Hayoy. You have a certain way how you see the world. If you don't go out of that, you will remain stuck there forever. Yetzi Midaito. You need the wine that will take you out of your das, all your paradigms must be obliterated. The way you think about things, your das, your machshava, because there's an excessive pattern here of the way the person thinks about themselves and carries themselves that they can't even get out of it because whatever you'll tell them just goes back into that same pattern of thought. And only then can they let go, so they have to first realize the river. That means going into a river. He's touching here, you see how he touches Gehenna essentially as awareness very deep awareness that is painful. Deep awareness becomes painful because a person realizes that they have been perhaps in a box their whole life and they have to ask themselves, can I step out of this space and what would life be if I remain here and what could life be if I step into a new space which is not defined by that particular space. So if I, if you want to speak very practically on a psychological level, sometimes a person say, I once went to a, uh, a retreat. It was like a healing retreat. So at some point, the person running the seminar, it was a, a very intense weekend. The person running the seminar, he asked everybody, they had to do a lot of, in, it was a lot of intense work. It, you can't do this the first minute. Because first of all, you need awareness for this. But it was, I found it very moving. He asked everybody, there was a small, small few, few, not many people, to write down on a piece of paper yeah, something, that which they think of themselves already from a very young age. And it's really disturbing to them. It, it, it's, it's destructive to their life. A perception of who they are or who they're not. Physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, religiously, whatever it is. And uh, people wrote it down. They gave them for a long time. And then he made a fire. <laughs> and people stood around the fire. They read the paper in public. Everybody read what they wrote about themselves, tore it up, and threw it into the flames. 
So there was a person there, maybe 76, 77 years old. I don't know exactly, but it was an Al-Tariyid, a worked out person, a deep person. So you imagine a person lived 76 or 75, what an older, in the 70s, reads from the paper and says that uh, uh, my deepest emotion about myself is that uh, nothing I do is ever, ever good enough. Ever. And I am forever a moron, an idiot, and a jerk. That's what he wrote down. That's it. It has to be like a sentence or two. And he threw it into the fire. Now, he threw it into the fire. It was very emotional because he, he tells himself, he says, okay, goodbye, that self. What was, what, what was the Nekudah here? Just giving a dugma to the concept. Sometimes a person experienced a certain image of themselves at a very young age. And that's where they live from. Everything is filtered through that voice, through that process. What it is, you have to know about yourself. But that's like your story, as they call it. And everything fits into that story. Whatever triggers that will immediately... Whenever anybody says something that's closely related to that, that emerges and that's how you respond. So you think you're free. Now you can go to a thousand shiurims of Garnish Talfer. You can learn through Shas 20 times. But it's all in that paradigm. I don't even know of anything else. It's not that I know, I don't, I don't know, I can't experience life from any other perspective. What do you need? You need to get the guy drunk. But not drunk, drunk. You'll get him drunk, he'll sober up in an hour, it's all over, he'll sober up the next morning. It's, it's a good feeling, but it's worthless. Here he touches Yayin HaMashakir means How do I get a person out of his whole das, his whole machshava, which doesn't allow him to be in a relationship? It's not pshad, the wine is concealed, I can't get to my wine, I'll have his boininess, I'll daven bekoil. And this is important because sometimes we give remedies for people as though they're ready for Yayin HaMashakir, but they're not. They still need Yayin HaMashakir. Tell a person, you need more kavana by davening. It's not the issue. <laughs> Some people need more kavana by davening. <laughs> Tell the guy, daven louder. Okay? It's gewaldik is gula. But you have to know where Yayin HaMesameach works. And where Yayin HaMesameach is, he's not ready for Yayin HaMesameach. Yayin HaMesameach means you know that there's wine, it's there. You want to access it. Yayin HaMesameach means I can't experience it. I don't even know what's there. So for that to happen, I first need to extricate myself from a particular zone and step into another space. For this, I have to become aware of the sweat of the Chayas HaKadosh. I have to understand how deep the fall was, how profound the descent was from who I am to who I became, or from who I am to who I perceive myself myself I am. Because if I cannot recognize that and get deeply pained by it, and here is where pain is a very valuable thing. You smile because without pain I can't scream. And if I can't scream, it means I never get in touch with my primal self. If I can't scream, I don't get in touch. I read up an article not long ago. Somebody asked, somebody they, they did a whole research, very interesting research. People go into therapy. Is there a way of knowing that it's going to be successful? Or it won't go anywhere. The guy may sit for a year or two. And the therapist will get his money and everybody will be happy. But it won't go anywhere. So I read an interesting conclusion that they saw. People who come in, and the first session, 
everything is articulated in a definitive way. I know my problems, I know my issues, I know why, I know this, I know that. Everything is clear, it's usually not going to go anywhere. <laughs> if the person is stumbling on their words, they can't define, they can't articulate, it's a good simon. Why? Because when it's structured and it's organized, there's notes that can't be tzach libam. There's a detachment here. There's a detachment. Everything is figured out. So you're like watching yourself as you're watching a movie. You watch your life as a movie. You're like a separate person and you're analyzing your life. When you go into the mess, ooh, it creates chaos. So you scream. Ay! A person screams. He gives a scream. Tzach libam al but that scream means the person experienced the irid. The person experienced how the Ava, the Ayin HaMesameach, became soilless. In other words, they went into the river. And that river is fire. That's the river that comes, it comes from a good place. And then, he can go out of his Das. He can leave that Das and open things up. Because blockage, blockages, blockages, you pierce it. And suddenly you could see there's sunlight. You allow the inner child to come out. You could see an innocence. You can get rid of some of the luggage. And you could start breathing. But the person can't even know it exists without experience. Because without experience, the person may not even know that there's a problem. Why? Because if I'm so used to this is life, so how do I even know that this is not life? If a person grows up in a dark cave for generations and produces new generations, they never saw sunlight. So all they know of reality is that this is darkness. Like a person can't see and they refuse to buy glasses, right? So you think, <laughs> you can't see, that's what it is, that's the reality. Suddenly you put on glasses, wow, I see the color of people's eyes, I never knew there's even color to eyes. And the same is true in everything in life. So Bemela. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's the question? Let's put it this way. <coughs> In this process, you're not going anywhere where you weren't already. You were there already. It's just this time you're going to spit it out. So there's nothing to be afraid. If they're taking you to Syria, I wouldn't go there. Not even for... Uh, vacation, or for journalistic purposes. But the point here is you're not going to anywhere that you weren't already. In fact, you were though, you're there so many years. The only difference is this time you're going to go, so you don't have to come back again. But of course, we're not talking here about uh, every hefke, every stam uh, hefkeides. He's talking here about a very, uh, a very serious process, and he's talking here about a person's relationship with Hashem. But as everything, it's applied to very various concepts of relationships. So, so the Malachim HaKodesh here, the, 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 the Malachim HaKodesh, it's your pure energy that you had, yes. and it's your pure, it's not a Malachim, yes. it's yes. your pure energy yes. that, was, that was once potential yes. energy, yes. and yes. look what happened yes. to it. Chayas is your pure energy, or what we like calling today your inner child, your inner child, your purest energy. But what happened to it? How it, how it formed, how it developed throughout your youth. And what it became, what became of it, and how it's dealing with life. And it may be locked up in this little, little box, and it peeks out, and it hopes to experience life, but it can't, it can't. Now, by one person, how is it expressed today? It could be narcissism, which is a form of fear. 
I couldn't trust anybody, so I decided I'm going to control the whole world because I can't let go, because if I let go, I die. One example. Another example is endless self-denigration, which might be expressed in criticism. You give me criticism, I blow up. Why? I don't hear criticism. What I hear is another person telling me again, I don't live, I don't exist, I'm worthless. You gave me criticism, big deal. <laughs> okay, what is it? It's, it's not criticism. It's a bullet in the person's chest. Why? Because that's where they're operating from. And there's hundreds and thousands and, and hundreds of thousands of examples, each person in their own life. But that's where I'm coming from. So therefore my pure energy got not only diluted, diluted mela, it got distorted. It got terribly distorted. And my awareness of that distortion is what allows me to scream out from a very experiential, deep, what we call primal place. Until the person goes out of his mind. Here going out of the mind means you go out of the mind that engulfed you, that, that shackled you. A mindset, right. The thought processes that shackled me. I could actually step out of it. I can extricate myself from it. And sometimes a person finishes one layer and then discovers another layer and a deeper layer and yet a deeper layer. And it's, it's, it's the pain that ultimately is the prerequisite for liberation because it's the pain that allows me to acknowledge what is. And when I can acknowledge what is, what was, what is, I can say what will be, will be different. Will be different. That's the midaiti. That's what he says. Pirish midaiti this depth of frustration allows him to detach himself from all the things that he could not let go from. You wouldn't think it's connected. How will frustration cause me to separate? But it does. It does. Because that is what I have, need to let go. To be able to let go means I should not worship it anymore. I should be able to say, Feh, this is not me. I refuse to be this person. I will not be this person. Once you say that, you're already not that person. <laughs> Once you say, I refuse to be this person, you're already not that person. Why? Because you're aware. Even though you are, it's still in you. It's not leaving you so fast. But you're already aware. You say, I don't want to be this. You're already not that. Because yesterday I couldn't say, I don't want to be this. Maybe subconsciously I didn't want to be, but I didn't even know there's anything else. This is me. You drink it to forget your poverty. What does he mean? Not you drink so you're drunk, so you don't know you're a poor man, you're a miserable man. He touches in Ruchnius. Shlomo Melech gives advice. You need the wine that's not going to make you happy. It's going to make you forget how miserable you are. What says forget how miserable you are? It'll be able to take you out of a distorted self. What happens now? So his conclusion is this. A person will be able to daven. He'll be able to say two words. Blessed are you. Talking to God directly. To say and I'm actually talking to you. Meaning, till this point, there's no such a concept of I'm talking to you. I can't talk to you. I cannot talk to you. I can't be here for you. I can't be in tune with you. Because my eye is so complicated. 
it's so, uh, without using a cliche, it's messed up. It's, uh, it's in so many shackles and blockages, I don't even have the mental space to be able to create space for you. I can't really feel you. In a relationship, how present can you be to the reality of the other? To the reality, not of I, but of thou. The I creates space for the thou, for the you, for ato. Boruch ato is two words. Boruch ato. Can I even say the word ato? Me'umkadalibbe. I could say it. You could say you, you, you could say it all day. Me'umkadalibbe means from your full heart. From the depth of your heart to really be able to recognize you. In a paradoxical way, if my I is not freed up, I can't create space for ato. Because I don't have the mental space to be able to create space for you because all energy I need to feed me. And if I need all the energy to feed me, how can I really be here for you? To be able to really be here for you, I have to have that calmness, that calmness, that confidence to be able to say, you. It's the word you that is the key. Noichach. Noichach means not third person, but second person. I can always speak about he. Always. Everything is a he. But I can't speak about, I can't speak about you. I can't really look at you because I can't look at myself. So once a person has a he could say Barachat. Okay. Lamed Aleph, we'll continue inside. Lamed Aleph, Ahmed Beis, page 61, the second column. We're on the line. May umkidalibah. May umkidalibah. From the depth of the heart. So, for a person to be able to get up by davening and say, Baruch Atah, and not just say the words, but experience the words from the depth of your heart, a person has to be able to say, Baruch Atah, blessed are thou, as they used to say in English, or today we say you, blessed are you. The real experience of you can only come when a person is in a state of absolute inner, I would say, comfortability with themselves. Then the I can really create space for the you. Because if there's static in my brain... I'm always on the defensive and I always need to fill up the bottomless pit that requires endless validation or attention and therefore it's very hard for me to create real space for Atta. Only when the person is in a state of uh, wholesomeness can they really be in a true relationship with the other because the other is not a distraction and the other is not a threat. And the other is also not an object. Three things. The other is not a distraction. It's like, I really don't have space for you. I have too much, too much stuff going on. The other is also not a threat. Because the other could be a threat, right? There's a t-shirt that reads, I'm easy to get along with once you learn to worship me. But if you don't learn to worship me, I'm not easy to get along with. As long as you learn to worship me, then you're not a threat. But then you're not, you're not you also. There's no you. As long as you worship me, so then you're me. You're my slave. So if the other is not a distraction, the other is not a threat, and the other is also not a... Uh, what's the third thing I said? An object, right. The other is not an object. Just an object for me to be able to use, because I need so much. 
in addition to that, I would say there's something else, and that is that if a person really dislikes themselves, they cannot value themselves enough to be able to really give, to create space for the other. In order to really create space for you, I have to believe that creating space is important, is significant to you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, would you say all three things are what? Yeah, I mean, it's just they play themselves out in different ways. So I think this is how it would be applied when we speak about human relationships. Here, of course, he's speaking about the key relationship, which is always between man and and, and his creator, man and Hashem. So he says, as long as he did not drink yayin hamishaka, which allows him to go out of his das. To go out of his das, meaning to be able to break all the peels, to break, to be able to break all the shells by going into the mikveh and the hardinur, as described earlier. Only after that can the person really say, Baruch Atta. Baruch Atta, because the shackles are removed, the pressures are removed, the, 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 the shells are removed, all the clippers are removed. And then the person can actually emerge in a real relationship. And from the depth of his heart, he could say, Baruch Atam. So he continues, he says, Here you may ask a question, and this is very key. Remember, all miridus can only be on the past. If the person will continue to live in a state of miridus, I, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm horrible, I'm terrible then it's, this will never work. The miridus is always on the other. In other words, to be able to be in a relationship, you have to get frustrated with that which is not allowing you to be in a relationship, even with yourself. But the miridus is on the other. Kimar al Hester His soul is bitter, his soul is, is annoyed, is upset with the concealment of his face, of Hashem's face. Ki'ilu the Gemara says in Brachas, Chavches, Rabbi Yechon ben Zakei fell ill. And before he died, his Talmidim asked him for a blessing. And he said, Yehiratzen, that Meir Shamayim, your fear of heaven should be like fear of people. And they felt it was a very, uh, you know, compromised blessing. Rabbi Yechon ben Zakei said, no, halavai. At least, at least, if you would be able to treat God as much as you treat people, you know, at least, if your year Shemayim would be like your year that you have from people, at least it should be that, it would be God's good. That's something you wouldn't do in the presence of somebody else, because it's demeaning, not because if he tells or not, but it's demeaning. You're not going to do it in the presence of somebody else. Hashem's presence should at least be as significant as, as the presence of a video camera as the presence of Google, or as the presence of, of a bus of Adam as another person. So when this person returns, He asks from the depth of his heart for, for a relationship. There should be a revelation. All Tfilas and Bakashas are organized around this concept. I want to be able to say you. I want that there should be you in my life. That actually you should be a real presence in my life. Baruch Atah should be a genuine reality. At least like a person. At least like a boss of Adam, there's, there's some Atah. 
So when the person goes into the Yayin HaMashakim, what is the Yayin HaMashakim? The meditation that allows him to get drunk spiritually. What does it mean to get drunk spiritually? Get drunk spiritually means to be able to go out of his Das, to go out of his assumptions, of his paradigms, of his mindset, to be able to go into a whole different space. For that he has to open himself up because he's not even Shaykh to a relationship yet. Because he's completely closed up and cloistered and confined to the point that he may not even realize how cloistered he is. Then there could be a concept where your, your presence could be revealed to me. Hashem's presence is there, but it could be revealed to me. I can even look and say there's something called you. Baruch the same thing when it comes to Krishna. When he's Makabal Mal Khashamaim, it should be able to be truthfully truthful, he'll be able to do it. Because this is always the cloud you have to remember. The truth is you have a relationship. Don't think you don't have a relationship. Your real desire is to cleave to Hashem. There's no Jew that doesn't have this desire. The frustration is simply because you're distant from your own Ratzin. You don't know yourself. You're distant from the light of the face of the Melech that is in your life. And therefore you can't experience who you are. So that's the Meridus. And the Meridus is on the other. Frek de Balatanya. Now here is one line. Look what's in this line. After you drink this Yayin HaMashaka, you think you got rid of everything. You're still distant. At this point, you can at least quarantine and identify that there's a part of you that's distant, but there's a part of you that's not distant. And that becomes the key to healing. The key is not that you have no demons. The key is not that you have no toxicity, you have no distance. Everything is now rosy and romantic, and the relationship is impeccable and flawless. No. The key is that you could see it and identify it, and say, this is part of me, but it's not all of me, and I have a choice if this is going to govern me, or this is going to govern me. And that becomes the key, he says. So when he says you can have real, real dvekas, he says, well, you can have real dvekas, you can have real dvekas. There's so much in him that's still distant. And those voices will still continue. And they may continue for a very long time. That's fine. But there's havdalah. The key is there's havdalah. You could make havdalah. What's Havdallah? Havdallah is the art of boyed, of separation. That's the art of Havdallah. Havdallah doesn't mean you banish, you expel. It's here. But you could identify, say, thus is thus, and thus is thus, and therefore I can choose which life to step into, which day to step into, which personality to step into. You could say, who is distant? There's something, there's somebody. Before this, there was one mishmash, it was one shalant. You couldn't identify anything. Your richuk, that became you. Your distance became you. Your, your pain, your, anxi- your anxiety, that was you. The pressure on you, that was you. There was no other you. Now at least you could choose, you could hear the voice, and therefore you can quarantine it. You can, you can define it. You can articulate it. And the, the key to living a meaningful life is not getting rid of bad. It's the ability to identify it to be able to be mavdalit, to be able to identify it and say, not that I don't have this part, but it's coming from this component of me and I'm going to choose not to define myself by this component of me because it's not my etzem, 
It's not my core. Most importantly, it's not who I want to be. That's, that's a pretty close relationship. That's a good relationship. There's a very moving moment. There was a Nobel Prize winner, John Nash. The name rings a bell. Huh? Yeah, yeah. The story of the mathematician. Yes, the mathematician, a beautiful mind. John Nash was killed in a car accident together with his wife after returning from, I think, Sweden for a big prize that they received. Not the Nobel, another, that he got years ago. They received some big honor and they came back and I think on the New Jersey Turnpike they were killed. A little more than a year ago, I believe. And it was a tragic car accident. They were in the taxi. John Nash suffered from schizophrenia. Very serious case of schizophrenia. A brilliant, brilliant man. Brilliant. But the schizophrenia is a very serious mental illness. And uh, mental illness is something that uh, we don't discuss often by us. And that's also very bad. Because it's like a stigma that you're not allowed to discuss. And people who need treatment often can't even talk about it. And their families can't talk about it. That's a separate tragedy. Because it's it's cancer everybody talks about, and everyone has Rahman's mental illness is so devastating, and it's not the person's fault completely. The person is extremely innocent. It's not his fault. It's there's a chemical chemical stuff or whatever it is. I mean, he had this terrible illness, mental illness, brilliant. It almost destroyed his marriage. His career was destroyed. He had visions that the communists are after him. The commies, the Russians are after him. And he built up complete theories based on his visions. His wife, to her credit, stuck it out. And she nurtured him back to, to mental health. And ultimately he got he was thrown out of Princeton. He got back into Princeton. Princeton and he, he won the Nobel Prize. At the Nobel Prize, the way they depicted in the story about him, A Beautiful Mind, he speaks. And at the, at the speech he says that he always wondered in life, what's the equation. What's the source and summation of all mathematical equations? What is ultimately the sum total of all equations? And he says it's love. And he looks at his wife. And it's a very deep emotional moment of triumph because of her that he could triumph and live, relatively speaking, not only a good life, but a a productive life and really become a world-renowned person. He leaves the room. And it's really the highlight of his life. It's, you know, you won the Nobel Prize, you go into, (laughs) from that perspective, I mean, you know, you're forever enshrined in history, and it's royal, and he goes out, and uh, that moment, the schizophrenia attacks him. And it's so tragic, you know, as everyone is is enamored by his brilliance, and, and glorifying him, and honoring him, and he just gave the speech of his lifetime, but the, the demons don't stop. And the whole schizophrenia attacks him. And in his mind, you could see all the fictional people that he imagined are pursuing him and want to murder him, and he drove him mad for years, are all right there. They're back. So he spaces out. He's not here anymore. He's there. He's in a delusional, fictional reality that doesn't exist. That moment, his wife comes over to him, and she knows her husband, and she sees he's not here. So she gets scared because they've come a long way. 
And she looks at him and she says, uh, "Are you? Uh, is everything all right? Which was, of course, the code language, you know, not this again. Is everything all right? And you could see, he looks at his wife, but he's somewhere else. And uh, he moves away and he looks her in her eyes and he says, yes, everything is all right. Everything is perfect. Everything is perfect. And they go out together. And what it is that at this point he could make a choice. That is the beauty. He could, make it, he could not get rid of them. But he could make a choice and say, this is my mental illness. This is a part of me that is like a dibuk. It's a dibuk. The tragedy is not that I have it. The tragedy is when I don't think I have anything but that. There's no I but that. The tragedy is not that I'm depressed. The tragedy is not that I'm insecure. The tragedy is not that I have anxiety. And the tragedy is not that I have narcissism or I have deep, deep fear. That's not the big tragedy. The tragedy is that that is I. There's nothing else but that. That's what he's saying here. When I could make Havdullah, when I can identify and say, there is this black, dark dog that starts barking every 60 minutes and delegitimizes everything in life. It tells me my life is meaningless, worthless, it's a tragedy, it's a Greek tragedy in the making. That's what it tells me. It delegitimizes everything. To be able to say, it's tough, it's painful. But to be able to look at it and say, you're my black dog, and I know you're part of my life. Some reason God wanted that you should be my partner. Maybe to keep me humble. Maybe to keep me sensitive. Maybe to stimulate my deeper spiritual self. I don't know the reason. I, know, I can't tell you reasons for another person. Huh? Yes, I'm giving a metaphor. The metaphor of black dog is not my own. There was a man named Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill is one of the most important men of modern history because Alpiteva, we owe it to him that Hitler was defeated. The man who stood up single-handedly against the Hitler regime was Winston Churchill, unlike his comrade Chamberlain. And Churchill gave, blew in the spirit to British to the British people that we're going to fight him and we're going to defeat him. And he defeated him. So Churchill is a very special uh, special human being, whatever his... Uh, but Churchill had a lot of flaws. For one, he loved to drink. Okay, he's not the only one. But Churchill also suffered from depression, which is true about very ta- brilliant, talented, creative people usually have demons, more demons than others because... All depth comes with a price, if you haven't figured it out yet. I didn't say narcissist is not responsible. Every person is responsible. I said that when we're dealing with certain forms of mental illnesses, it's completely not the person's fault. And all that is necessary above everything is empathy, empathy and sensitivity. The more empathy we have for a person, the more we can help them be in control of their life and be responsible. The less empathy we have, we don't give them the dignity to be able to distinguish between themselves and their mental illness. So it's the other way around. Narcissism is a separate issue. Narcissism, why are you calling narcissism a mental illness? That's my list of of challenges, not my list of mental illnesses. It's two separate things. 
Today they often discuss what I read that narcissism is really not narcissism, it's the other way. When you were a child, you, you had mamish no space in the world. So your only way of dealing with the world is that you can't acknowledge anybody. Because if you acknowledge anybody, it will you, you'll die. Like so you have to be in control of everything. You can't uh, it's not an egotist, it's worse. It's uh, they say if you want to drown a narcissist, you put mirrors on the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> That's the definition of a narcissist. Somebody once told me about an individual, he said, you know, let me just tell you about him. If you, uh, He's going to come to you. So he said, he's a self-made man and he worships his creator. <laughs> okay, I see it's too early in the morning for you guys. Wake up, wake up. I'll call upon him. So Churchill suffered from terrible depression. But he, was a, he, was an, he did amazing stuff. So he writes in his biography, the way he learned to deal with it was... He identified his depression as a black dog that always follows him. Once in a while, it's quiet, like a dog. Once in a while, it starts barking. Once in a while, it goes wild. It's always there. You crawl into bed. You grew up with a dog. You crawl into bed. You go into the bathroom. Dog. It's always there. Sometimes it goes to sleep for a few hours. But it's always there, and you can expect at any moment it's going to crawl in. And he said that's how he came to define his depression. But the brilliance was that he identified it as the black dog, not him. He was a real person. No, if the dog is a real person in your life. Uh, oh, if it's a real person. Real person. No, this, it's even more than a real person. It's him. It's him himself. But the brilliance was that he should be able to say, this is a very powerful force in me, but I, I can make segregation. And therefore, I can choose not to step in, not to operate from that space. And the more somebody does this, the weaker the dog becomes. The weaker it becomes. Because you flex other muscles. You know, you work out muscles, they, they function better, right? Here's a personal trainer, I'll explain it to you. So therefore, the more you work it out, the more, it fun- the more you work out your, let's call them healthy muscles, or functional muscles, you say, hey, I'm not such a loser. <laughs> I'm not such a loser, right? Why did I always think I'm a loser? I'm not. I'm not. You start working on it, you say, wow, I can do it. But if I surrender to it, then that becomes that becomes lethal. This is, I, this is how I understand the distinction he's making here. It's very easy to gloss over this line. He asks a question. The, the art of Havdalah is already a, it's already a blessed life. The self-awareness to be able to say Hamavdil, this is Havdallah, as the Gemara says, the Yerushalmi says, why is Atachin Antanu put in Atachin in Adam Das? Why did Chazal put in the bracha of Havdallah in Atachin Adam Das? Why there? Doesn't bother you, right? So the Gemara answers in Yerushalmi brachas, Im Ein Das Havdallah Minayim. There's no Havdallah without Das. Now you could say I'm Avdol. Without Das, there's no Avdola. Why? Because Avdola requires very deep Das. The level of self-awareness to be able to make Avdola is critical. If not, there's no Avdola. Everything is everything. Here's the line. Danger is real, fear is a choice. Some of that plays in here. Huh? Danger is real, but fear is a choice. So, so yeah, I, I would argue. He's saying danger is real, but fear is a choice. 
I'm not sure fear is always a choice. Sometimes fear is inevitable. However, I think my choice is if I'm going to let the fear control my behavior or not. That's the question. The fear says, don't pick up the phone to call this person because he's going to say no. Right? Or it's going to be too vulnerable. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't go here. Don't. Do... My choice is, does the fear define my behavior or not? That a choice and mix. And the question really is, is it a fear in me or is it me? Do I become paralyzed or am I experiencing a fear? Fine. There's a part of you, for whatever reason, is very, very fearful, but there's another part of you. So which one are you going to live by? So for this, you have to have a vision of an inner core. That's why the first thing is always the positive vision of self. If you think you are rotten, then there's nothing else to turn to. You have to, you have to understand that inside there's wine. And the wine is mesameyach elikim v'anoshim. The wine allows you to be joyous and loving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, they're already after this. They're already after the Yayin, huh? Yayin HaMashakr, Yayin HaMashakr, whatever the Madreig is. Yayin HaMashakr Kipshuta, not only in Ruchmir. Once you can identify there's a core, and there's a bunch of shackles, and you could make a Havdallah, so he says that you can have real dveikus, you can have real intimacy. Real intimacy means there's no vo- there's not, not that there's no voices inside that are challenging it at every moment. Yes, Rabbi Litzma. I'm not sure if I understood. You said that to deal with mental illness, you have to empathize with the person. Yeah. But First and foremost. But is that a one-way or two-way thing? Because very often somebody who has some kind of condition refuses to recognize Yes, that's a so very... If you empathize with it, you talk to the wall. So you're opening up a very serious conversation here. I don't know if we should get into it. I'll just say briefly, that is part of the great challenge with mental illness, that sometimes the person, during their illness, can't recognize it, or does things that are very hurtful to the people who love them most. And one really has to have more empathy, because if I start taking it personal, then ultimately it destroys our relationship. On the contrary, one should have even more empathy, Why? Because here is a person who is really such a good person, and yet they could be so cruel or apathetic or hurtful to those who take care of them most, and it's really coming because of a disease. Vaharaya, not during the disease, they would never be like this. On the contrary, they're sometimes the most loving people, most sensitive people. So, And then there's the balance of not enabling. Empathy doesn't mean enabling. Enabling means I let you get away with things that will destroy your life. Empathy means I'm sensitive to your journey and how hard it is for you to do what you have to do. But it doesn't mean I will enable you, because if I enable you, then I'm destroying you. So I'm not talking about enabling at all. I'm talking about creating the environment in which a person is challenged, but also empowered to be able to take what they need, the medication or whatever, to sustain their health. The distinction between empathy and enabling is from one extreme to another extreme. Um, I think maybe we can ask a therapist. Could you tell us what the difference between empathy and enabling? You probably explained this to a lot of patients. So why don't you explain it to your patients here? <laughs> or potential patients here. <laughs> the first time will be for free. <laughs> that I don't know. Then it doesn't work. Enabling would be a have because I have Rahmanis, I'm just gonna, I guess, what you were afraid of, 
because I have Rachmanis, I'm not going to hold you responsible for anything. And I'm going to give you whatever you need in this moment to make you feel good. I'm going to take care of your feelings right now. So if you don't feel good, I'm going to do whatever you need to feel good. Empathy with me, I go behind, I, I, I see what's really, really going on inside of you. And try to understand what you need, which may or may not make you feel good. Which may make you feel very, very bad right now. But, but it's what you really, really need. And, I'm not, and I might be cruel to you right now. I might be very cruel right now. But the cruelty is only in the behavior. Because it's not making you feel good right now. But in actuality, it's what you really, really need. And, that, and what's defining the cruel behavior is my understanding of what you need. Whereas when enabling, what's defining my kind behavior, behavior is a total lack of understanding of what you need. Just what, what's going to make you feel good. So in, in the Lashen, Chassidus has a very good Lashen for this. In enabling, when you enable somebody, the Chitsonius is Chesed. It looks kind. The internal energy is distance, carelessness. You want to actually make yourself feel better because it's very disturbing. So, okay, be quiet, whatever you need. Hey, you want another candy? I'll give you your candies. In, 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 in empathy, the chitsonius could be gvura. I may be doing something that you will scream, stop being cruel, but the core of it is actually deep understanding of what you need and, and love to you. So it's really the exact opposite. On the surface, somebody may not see it. It may even look the opposite. Because I'm really focusing on what you need, not on what you say you need, or what you think you need, or what you're screaming you need, which may be the exact opposite of what you need. I'm actually thinking about you long term. So it's mamash min hakatsa lakatsa. Thank you. That was beautiful, no? Okay. Any appointments available? Just as in Yayin, you have to squeeze the wine, you have to squeeze the grapes to get out the wine. Here too, you have to squeeze the grapes to get out the Yayin Hamashakir, because what's the squeezing? person has to really be able to confront all actions, all words, and all thoughts that this person went through that completely alienated them from the divine, which means from their own true core, which creates tremendous humility. And that's where the grape is being squeezed. If I'm not ready to really confront that and really deal with it and look at it, all, all my actions, all my words, and all my deeds coming from that space then the person can get to that wine, which will ultimately allow them the shikras to go out of that space. That's the fire, Nahar Dinur, the river of fire created from the sweat of the Chayas HaKadosh, from understanding how your ideal love has been distorted, as explained earlier, then the person can experience this Yayin HaMeshach. Achoit Achas, Hitzorich Loshes, Eitzes Benafshi, Bebeis Pchines, Yayin Hanal. There's one more step whenever you address these two types of wine that a person needs to find advice for his soul. One more aspect. And here he comes, what you would call today, a very, it has very interesting parallels because till now we're discussing the person dealing with himself. Either on one level, on a much higher level, you're just looking for the wine that reveals your joy. 
And one is Yayin HaMeshaka, you still need the wine that will disturb you. The wine that will take you out of yourself because you're not ready, you don't know who you are yet. So it's not like you're ready to go into the relationship, but there's something disturbing it. You don't even know that you're capable of a relationship. So it's like you have to reinvent yourself. But that's all dealing with the person vis-a-vis themselves and vis-a-vis their relationship with Hashem. And here the Balatanya goes into a new step, a third step, which in contemporary language I would say, some people worship the process of therapy. The therapy becomes an objective in and of itself. It's like status quo is I'm a miserable person. The question is how am I miserable this week? So we'll figure it out. But that's the status quo is I have problems. It's like almost you become a hero in your own mind. I don't know how many of you deal with this, but sometimes do you have a daydream about your own funeral as a way of having compassion for yourself? Watching people crying at your death. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? No? Okay. You don't have to all raise your hand simultaneously. But I, I guess there's one or two people who will know what I'm talking about. People who desperately need to com- feel bad for themselves. So they imagine unique circumstances. For example, they die, and they see the funeral, and they see people crying for their death. What does that do to them? It's, of course, not other people. They're, cry- they're trying to evoke Rachmanes on themselves, because somehow that way they get some comfort. Get some comfort. And again, it, it's really a form of, I completely cannot celebrate my success. The only way I could celebrate myself is if I become a tragic figure. So this is the danger where a person becomes overindulgent in self-examination to a point that the status quo is I have problems. And now this Monday or Tuesday we'll figure out what the problem is. But it's not a question that my life is destined to misery. And there are many people that make that hachlata very early on. My marriage will never be happy. I will never have a good relationship with my kids. I will never have a good relationship with my mother, with my father, with myself with my life. I will always be in prison. We'll make it a little easier here and there. So the third, what he goes in now is a larger perspective. So he says, you have to remember, <laughs> The Pasuk says in Bereshus, Hashem saw the light and it was good. We have Bereshus. Right in the beginning of, 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 of Bria Sa'olam, First day, so it's a Bereshus Bar Lekim Hashemayim Besaretz. Vayemre Lekim Yehi Ar Vayare Lekim Esa Ar Kitoiv. Hashem saw that the light was good, and He separated between the Ar and between the Chayshech. Frek Rashi Vayare Lekim Esa Ar Kitoiv. What's Pshat Vayavdel? What Vayavdel? You saw that the light was good, and you separated it between light. You separated between light and darkness. Light is not dark. What's the separation? So Chazal say, the Gemara says, Rashi brings, uh, Rashi brings it, Vayar al-Kim Vayavdil means he decided that this light can't be used, it has to be concealed. It says, Gonzay l'tzadikim, the Gemara in Chagiga Yudbeis, Gonzay l'tzadikim l'osid love. So here he just uses one word, he says, Kitoiv, he saw the light was good, Kitoiv u'ligna, is a different word, how he touches it. Toiv u'ligna means it's so good, and therefore it has to be concealed. It's so good it has to be... What's Pshat? The explanation in this has to do with a Pasuk in Shir HaShirim. The Pasuk says, I was searching for that which my soul loves. This is in Shir HaShirim, Peter Gimel. 
Now, to appreciate what he's going to say, I just want to read for you the I want to read for you the Pesukim here in Shir Hashidim, Peri Gimel. You know, Shir Hashidim is of course the poem, the love poem between the the love, the the doidi anila doidi vidoidi li, the one who loves and the beloved, the groom and the bride. So it's a very very moving uh, moving Peric. He says, "Al mishkavi balelus bikashti nafshi." As I was sleeping at night, you know, in bed, I couldn't sleep. I was, I was think, I was seeking the one that my soul loves. But I couldn't find this person. So I stand up and I run around all the cities, all the markets, all the streets. I'm looking for the soul that I love. I can't find them. So of course, a metaphor. The the guards, the guards see me. They, what do you want? And I say, I'm looking for the one I love. He says, Kemacha Avarti Mehem. I almost passed them. And then suddenly I found the one that I uh, the one that my soul loves. Achastiv. I held on to him. I said he was saying, she is saying. Achastiv, I held on to him. Veloyar Peno, I'm not gonna leave go. This time I'm not gonna leave go. I'm not gonna let him go get away. until I brought him to the home of my mother, Velcheder Hoirasi and to the chamber of the one who conceived me. So, <laughs> the tachlis is to take your chassan and to bring him to your mother, <laughs> to introduce him to the shviger. That's great for Shalom Bayis. <laughs> I held on to him, I'm not going to let him go this time, till I brought him to the home of my mother and to the chamber of the one who conceived me. I don't know if this fits with Freud's uh, libido relationship, but basically I want him to come back, of course, to my primal state. The home of my mother, the chamber of the one who conceived me, means my source, where I come from. And pregnancy, hayrasi, that's the real space. So I want my loved one should be able to come back with me to my primal space. Now that's very loaded. That basically, the real concept, I want you, you know, there's a vart from the Yitzchak, Baditshever. It's very, very heavy vart. You think somebody said it today, but he said it... Uh, 200 years ago. He says, when it says in Shir Hashirim, Bikashti es Sha'ahava Nafshi, you have, uh, you have before Perik Aleph, Hagidali Sha'ahava Nafshi. So he says, literally it means, I'm looking for the one that my soul loves. Bikashti, I'm searching es Sha'ahava Nafshi, the one that my soul loves. It's what Dichavah says, it's also, it's also the other meaning. Bikashti, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for somebody to say, that you really love me, you love my soul. Really, shashidim is that a person is looking for somebody to tell them that you really love me. That's what he identified in shashidim. That so many people, what they're really asking for is, just tell me that you really love me. You really, really love my soul. Is there somebody that can tell that to you? Is there somebody who ever told that to you? Not that you like something external about me. You really love my soul. Wasn't it you love my soul? You'll go back with me to my primal space. You'll go back to me to the home of my mother, to the chamber of the one who conceived me. I'm not ready to go back with you to the house of your mother unless I'm ready to go back to your primal space. It's not easy in the house of your mother or in the womb of your mother. You want me to go into the womb of your mother? It's hard enough to deal with your mother outside of the womb. <laughs> now you want me to go back in the womb of the mother? The Balatanya... His Rebetzin's name was Stern. Her father was a Yid. His name was uh, Rabbi Segel. 
in Vitebsk. Vitebsk is Belarus, Lithuania. And this is the time of the big machleikah to the Chassidus. He was a huge, huge opponent to the Chassidus. But uh, when, 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 his, when he took the Alter Rebbe as a son-in-law, he wasn't yet the Talmud of the Mezit Shemagid, so he had a lot of money, he supported him to learn. Then he became the Chassid of the Mezit Shemagid, so his father-in-law went berserk. And he demanded from his daughter to divorce the Balatanya. But she knew her husband, so she told her father to go where, uh, you know, where he deserved to go. He was a Chashavayid, but he banned his son-in-law, excommunicated him. It was one Friday night, he said, David Barichis, he came home, and his father-in-law locked up all the food. He locked up all the food. He came home very late. So he shouldn't be able to make Kiddush, he shouldn't be able to have challah, he shouldn't be able to nothing. And uh, he was looking and looking and looking, and uh, you know, he, he found, um, he found it was Hamar Medina, so he could make Kiddush on it, but he found like a mashka, it was an expensive mashka. So he made kiddush on it, but he didn't know how much alcohol the percentage was. It was one of the highest percentages. And he only found a huge cup to make kiddush on, and he used to drink roif kois. And, uh, and uh, so he drank it. No, he said the maisa. And he was alone. Nobody was home. They were all sleeping. And he made kiddush, and uh, he felt it was a sakonas nefoshes mamash. And then he found a little kasha. <laughs> he ate the kasha, and it's... He said it saved his life. So he said he had a karasatayv. He had a karasatayv to kasha because of it, because it saved his life. His father-in-law died. His mother-in-law inherited all the money. And she was very rich. And the Balatanya then was already world-renowned. So she came to him and she said, he was, he always, he, he was poor. He remained a poor man. He lived in Liajna. He said, come back to Vitebsk and you'll live by me and I'll support the whole, the whole matzav. If you, my husband is gone, there won't be any issues now. So he said, he said, he thanked her, but he said no. So she said, why not? So the way he said it to her is this. this it teaches you how to speak to a shviger. He says, the Gemara Zokt, he tells his shviger, the Gemara says that, that there's no happiness like the days when the fetus is in the womb. Ein lach like the toiva in the womb, malam din oisek kol atayra kula neir daluk aroishay royim esayfa elam vatsayfa. There's nothing like the time in the womb, and yet if you'll ask a child or an adult at any point, feel sedigin to the mama's boich, you want to go back, they say no. Not that it's not good over there, but there's a time when you're there. There's a time you have to come out. So he says, nafish <laughs> sedigin. It's fine. That's what he told me. He did it. He wouldn't go back. He stayed in Liajna. It's a deep answer if you think about it. So he says here, tell me that you love me. How do I know? I'll hold on to this person that I love and bring them to the chamber of where I was conceived, which is the primal space. So he's going to explain through this Pasuk, he's going to explain what's Pshat, Alpipnimius, in the Vayat, whenever you have Oyr, it's so good, you have to have Lignois. It has to be put away. Put away what? It doesn't mean concealed, that it shouldn't be hidden. But concealed in the sense that it looks like it's hidden. <coughs> so he says, we'll just learn another talk. Generally, and spiritually speaking, the house of my mother refers to Teresh HaBiksav. The chamber where I was conceived from the word hara, hara, batar, 
conceive, preg, conceive pregnant, that's Hayras. Zu Teure Shabalpa. That's this base Imi and Cheder Hayras. Well, we have to understand why, but that's the Shehem Pchines Kalim Lahachnes Besoicham Gilia Lakusi is Baruch Pchines Kaispar. Paroi means openness, right? Priya, we learned. The cup of Paroi is the wine of Paroi, meaning when the godliness is exposed in your life, so the wine is revealed, that's Kois Paroi. The wine has to be taken and placed into vessels. The Kois Paroi, the Paroi, the openness of godliness has to be placed into Caleb. What is that? The house of my mother and the chamber of the one who conceived me. In other words, you have to take the yayin and put it into kalim. And that is Torah Shabiksav and Torah Shabalpa. Person could have access to the deepest light and inspiration. If they will not take it and put it in vessels, it will all be gone. And nobody wants to put light into vessels because vessels are structured. Who wants structure for inspiration? We don't want it. But if you take the oil and you're not going as it, then you're not going to have oil. Whenever you have oil, it's so good, it's not going to remain good. Unless lignois. Unless you hide it. Where do you hide it in Caleb? When you put it in Caleb, you won't see it anymore because it's limited. But that's the only way you're going to have it. So that's why you ha- everyone has love and everybody wants love. But if the love you're not going to take to the house of your mother, you're not going to be able to put it into vessels, to put it into Caleb, you're going to be left with nothing. You have to be able to translate all inspiration, all awareness, all emotional clarity into vessels. Torah and Torah are the structures that frustrate spiritual people. Right? Everybody knows that. If you're not spiritual, it's great. Spiritual people, when they come back to Teresh HaBiksav and Teresh they're often frustrated because it's obsessively structured, especially halacha. It's obsessively structured. And people who are by nature bohemians, uninhibited, uh, celestial, expansive, dreamlike, artists, romantics, helpless romantics, who wants structure? Who wants Caleb? You want or you want light? So the key is, he says, with both wines, kois Yeshua, he says. You have to put it in kois. The kois is the structure. You have to take it into a house. A house, by definition, has walls. It's quarantined. El beis imi, penu. All love, if you want it to endure, has to translate into structure, into Caleb. If not, it will be powerful and equally elusive. That's why romance that is not translated into real structure, it's very powerful today, but it's gone in a year. In many ways, I would say that this is the key distinction between secular form of romance and love and a Torah-oriented form of love and romance. In Torah, love and romance always is given Caleb, how a relationship is structured, even intimacy you know, the laws of, of mikveh, etc. They said, well, what do you mean? How do you make limits on love? <laughs> love limits, by definition, it's, it's not. So we have the opposite problem, that we sometimes have only kalim and no er. People don't even know that there's something called love. Because 
the whole experience is only structure, what you're allowed or what you're not allowed to. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying you have to take the light and put it into Caleb. That's a challenge. So let's be mamshich. The challenge with inspiration is that it fades away very fast. Anybody knows that? Anybody knows that? Yeah. Huh? And even then. <laughs> That's why... That's why we have the link to, to afterwards. See that. For afterwards, and even then, and even then, yeah. So there's one challenge that a person can't experience inspiration. But at this point, he's hoping that either the first type of wine or the second type of wine, something got to you, something in the soul got, was opened. At least, if not through Yain Hamasameach, through Yain Hamashaken. But then he finally, in the last paragraph, he says, but then there's always the concept of Kalim. Kois Yeshua's Esa. The Saramashkim says the water got going to Kois Parai. And Kois Parai is a contradiction by definition. The word Parai comes from the word Priya, Parua, which means full openness. Kois is container, which closes things. You put something in a Kois. It's sealed by definition. A kois means you limit it, you inhibit it. So kois para is a contradiction in terms. Para is openness, expansiveness. If it's a little closed, it's not para. In spiritual terms, para he says is giluyelikus. It's the absolute revelation of the soul, the complete exposure where there's no boundaries, no limitations. But he says whenever you see light. There has to be lignoiz. It's so good that it has to be there has to be gniza. Putting it in a cup is a form of gniza, meaning hiding. Doesn't mean literally hiding that it's a secret, but hiding in the sense that it becomes it's not open. It becomes contained. And when anything is contained, it's not fully revealed. So there is containment that comes from fear. There's containment that comes because you can't speak your truth. There's containment that comes from because you're, you're in shackles. There's containment that comes the other way around. Because when something is really true, when something is very real, if it's not cont- huh? containment... Containment? Um, uh, contain, it's, it's to put... Huh? Like a container. To put it into a container. It's held inside of a... It's held inside of a keli. It's held inside of a keli. By definition... A keli limits it. It has walls, it has parameters. A seven-ounce cup can only have seven-ounce liquid. But kalim here is a metaphor of a concept. Taking oil and compressing it in kalim in a structured life, which by definition seems contradictory to the light. Let the light spread. Don't make kalim. Because if not, the oil ultimately will dissipate. You can love somebody with tremendous passion, and it's all over the place. But if it's not contained in a structured life, ultimately it may dissipate as fast as it came. Unbelievable emotions. You don't think you can ever get rid of these emotions. That's how powerful they are. But ma'isem b'chal some time passes, and you swallow it and you spit it out with the same passion. Most 
Psychologically, it means that the get happens with the same passion like the marriage. As much as you love, that's how much you hate. What happened? You couldn't imagine this. Five years ago, this was your dream. You couldn't imagine anything else. The pshat is that regoshim feelings are very, very powerful. Yeah, you always need containment. You always need containment. Containment is a form of integrity. Yeah, it's maybe harder, but you need to contain Ah? In 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 Ruchnius it means he says the Kalim Atayrishabiksav and Tayrishabalpa. Khaidir imi uh Baisimi and Khaidir Hiras. He now continues. Vaid Yiskirla a person always has to remember one more thing. And in many ways here we're gonna see I mean, I'm gonna, I, I apply contemporary terms which weren't so applicable when this was said, Tovkov Nun Zayin, 1896, Shabbos Hanukkah, Shabbos Miketz. But uh, the concepts are the same, you have to apply it always in every day. You'll see here, uh, he introduces the concept which is often a very missing piece in our generations when people talk a lot about healing and recovery and self-awareness and and finding yourself, and, and getting rid of the shells, and the shackles, and so forth, getting in touch with who you are, and etc., all these, you know, all these words and concepts. But there's sometimes a very, a very serious piece that's missing, and it's hard for people to articulate what that piece is, but you see it from the ramifications of how people live. And I think here it's articulated, after he goes through this whole process of Yayin HaMesameh and Yayin HaMeshaker, in a brief way, but in a very powerful way, so he says there's something else you always have to remember. You should always remember when it comes to your actions, that it's not, it should not be bishvil atzmai. Atzmai means only for myself, for himself. The purpose is, I want to be the healed person. I want to be the wholesome person. Not that that's an evil objective, it's a very good objective. But don't stop there. Kiim. Actually, God needs you. God needs you to be wholesome. It's not just, yeah, I'm in pain, I'm anxious, I'm full of pressure, so therefore i got to get into all of this, because my life is not manageable. And that's usually what prompts people to come to this. I mean, that's what prompts people... Just to seek out a therapist. <laughs> to seek out what they need. As long as your car is working, right, you don't have to open the hood. We all know that. You don't have to know how the car <laughs> works. When the car breaks down on the highway, once, twice, three times, now you get out of your car, you open the hood, and you start looking, what is this car made up of? As long as you're a lucky ha- go, what is it called? A happy-go-lucky, you know, and Yankee Doodle went to town, you're good. Yankee Doodle goes to town, you make your money, and you come home, and uh, and you go to sleep, and it's fine. And you talk about Trump, and you move on. Maybe you go to a shir, you know, once a month to get rid of the guilt. But things work out. You know, Shabbos, you come home from davening, it's early Friday nights. By 7.45, you're in bed. You sleep your 12 hours, and everything is dandy. But uh, if you're not that lucky... <laughs> to be a happy-go-lucky, if God blessed you or burdened you with somewhat of a uh, 
There's a pasuk in Mishlei Yosef Das Yosef Machoiv. The more Das, the more agony. So the Kotzke Rebbe Kedarkoi, who would not mince words about struggle, said, "Zolzain Mer Machoiv, or Zolzain Mer Das." Let there be more das, let there be more pain, but let there be more das. Don't run away from das. So I have to open the hood to my car. I can't just say, the, the car is not driving, sorry. Now you have to figure out what a car is made up of. You have to open up your own hood and see, what are you made up of, what's going on inside. Same with a computer. Your computer is working, the computer breaks. You have to now take apart the computer, suddenly you discover what a hard drive is, what a chip is, and everything, software, hardware, v'chuli, v'chuli. In life, when the computer is functioning perfectly, you move on without going to the pnimius. When things break, you go to the. You have to go to the pnimius because you want to fix them, and that's the yisrin ha'er that comes min from the darkness. But don't stop there. Don't stop there. You have to fix your comfort. No, no. God needs this. Vasa says the person ought to be a machin l'shifta. Machin means a home, a residence. L'shifta for Hashem's presence. Li is The yisoid of bria sa'olam. This is said. This is a lashon from Medrash Tanchum and Parshas Nasa. Huh? How is it possible to stop? Stop what? Not to reach to God. How can you fix it and not to reach to the Well, sometimes it becomes only about you know. I should feel good. I want to feel good. I want to feel better. I, I, it's too much. I want to feel this. I want to feel this serenity. So he says, don't stop there. You should remember that. Um, the kavan of Bria Soylem was Hashem wanted a dira b'tachtoinim. He wanted a, he wanted to live in your heart, and and therefore therefore my heart, my soul, my identity, my mind, my life, my home, my world, for it to be able to be a dira b'tachtoinim, for it to be able to be a home, for the Rebbeinu Shalaylam's presence where he should be able to live. I want to be able to be hospitable that God should be able to live in my midst. Vahainu. This means that he should prepare Yochim, his light, within the Oisius of Torah, which is what he said before the Kalim, which are vessels, are, are Kalim, are containers, Oisius of Torah, for his Yosef. This is the Kentig Indian of Yosef. Piddish, Yosef Tainug Venachas Ruach Lofan of Yisbarach. Yosef comes from the word Yosef, add, Yosef Hashemli, a person who focuses that he wants to add tainuk, pleasure, and achas ruach for Hashem. And this is the Nikuda of Yosef. And it's not just the name Yosef, it's the life of Yosef. What allowed Yosef to survive and thrive? When you look at Yosef's life, as we spoke once, Yosef had a difficult life that... I should, I could, say, we could all say, was uniquely, uniquely difficult. Pashat, Pashat, when you study his life, he lost his mother when he was a young boy. He was approximately nine. He had a father who loved him very much, but his whole family despised him and kidnapped him and threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery. It couldn't get worse. From a prince, he became a slave and a slave for life. And when he finally made it as a slave, he was accused of violation and promiscuity, and horrible, immoral behavior, and thrown into prison for life. (laughs) At some point you would think the kid would break, and become either a heart of stone, or depressed, one of the two. Either you become stone-like, you become like a, 
hard to the core. Nothing touches you anymore because you're so cynical. And you become driven either by revenge or by, by calculated revenge. You know, a godfather. Or you become so depressed. With Yosef you see neither. You read through Chumash, he the, remains the most emotional and the most lovable, I would say, character, one of the most lovable characters in Tanakh from a humane point of view. And he always, the Torah always, he always has chain grace, he's charming, he's loving, and he's a joyous person, and people fall in love with him. And he is the one in Tanakh who cries most. I don't know if you know. Seven times in Chumash he cries. Nobody cries as much as him. Where does he cry? Parshas Miketz, Parshas Vayigash, Parshas Vayichi. Every emotional moment he breaks down crying. People who become cynical and their heart develops into stone don't cry. People who are driven by revenge don't cry. They can't afford to cry. <laughs> Crying melts you. When people cry, they break down. You have to be very confident to cry, and you have to be a good person. You're not, you're not a, st- not a good person. You're not a stone-like person. You're not skilla. You're not liboy kevin. He's the most emotional. Per- Nobody cries. Yaakov cries. Avram cries once by Sarah's funeral. Adam and Chava never cry. I don't mean they never cry. We don't know about their tears. Noyach should have cried, but he doesn't cry. He gets drunk. Okay. <laughs> right? Avram cries once. Yitzchak never cries. Not once. Yaakov cries twice, right? Yaakov twice. Yaakov Lerachel. Vayefk. Vayefk. And of course he cries when he hears about Yosef. Yosef's death. Yosef cries seven times, and in Chazal he cries many more times. We don't even know about that in Chumash. He cries many times. On the way of the sale, he goes to his mother's grave, he runs to his mother's grave, he's weeping. Every juncture he meets his brothers, he cries, he meets Binyamin, he cries, he arrests his brothers, he cries. Yaakov dies, he cries, he meets Yaakov, he cries. The Shvatim come to him to ask forgiveness, he cries. This is not a vision of a prime minister who's stone-like, nothing touches him. Which would be understandable. Nor is he depressed. You can't run a country so successfully with depression. And the truth is, in Parshat Vayetshev it clearly says, that when he went into prison in the morning, he saw, not when he went into prison, when he woke up in the morning, he saw the butler and the baker, Vihinam Zoyafim, they were depressed. He should have looked at them, and said, okay, you know, welcome to the club, right? Welcome. <laughs> you want to talk about depression? Here you go. Instead, he looks at them and playing almost dumb, almost playing dumb. <laughs> he says, <laughs> What are you exactly miserable about? What's the issue? Really? That's a question? What about him? What about him? If you would give to a therapist or a psychoanalyst a resume of Yosef's life, everything he's been through. There was an expression in English, no good deed goes unpunished. Where do you see it? By Yosef. No good deed went unpunished. He did kibodav. What did he get for it? In a pit, salt. He's loyal to his master. What does he get for it? Prison. He's loyal in prison to the butler. What does he get for it? By At no point did anything good ever pay up. Ever pay, uh, pay off. On the contrary. Every good deed went punished. And punished big time. What happens to such a person? Such a person you become, what happens to a lot of people today with smaller crises or big crises? The level of cynicism is very profound. Right? The level of cynicism. 
cynicism, bitterness, disillusionment, I would call it. The level of disillusionment. No, cynicism is not hate. Uh, I think I need a therapist again. You want to tell us what cynicism is, disillusionment, uh, you give up on everything, and depression. Uh, how do you explain cynicism? Tsiniyut. Tsiniyut. How do you say it in Yiddish? Huh? Atsiniker. Atsiniker mensch. Yeah? Atsiniker. Huh? Not a tsiyoini. That's something else. That's another condition. That's another condition. Not scorn so much. Cynicism means... Assuming the worst. You don't believe in anything and anybody ever. You assume the worst. You don't believe in anything and anybody ever. You've seen enough corruption to say everybody goes into the same space. Exactly. Exactly. Now, cynicism is really a form of retreat. It's a form of depression. It's a form of saying, if I believe again, I'm going to be disappointed again. And I was, ba- I was stabbed too many times to believe in anything. So the best thing is to assume the worst. Everybody is out to kill you. <laughs> Everybody is out to stab you. Every system is the worst of the worst. Once in a while you'll find a semi-good person, because you don't know what happened yet, but you'll find out certainly what he did. And that's when you're safe, you're safe. And you say, but the MS is, it's a very imprisoned way of life. It's retreating from life. It's running away from the world. Yosef never became cynical. And he wonders, why aren't they happy? So the Kshayla is, where does this come from? The Balatanya says it here in one line. Yosef had a real relationship with Hashem. A real relationship with Hashem. So he saw his life always, he's an ambassador of God. Because he's an ambassador of God, an ambassador goes to places that other people don't go. An ambassador is sent to places that are, by de- sent to places other people. By definition, an ambassador is, you don't stay in the city where you're comfortable. An ambassador means you're dispatched to a foreign country which may be a hostile country. And there, you are part of that culture. Because you're an ambassador. You have to speak their language. You have to speak to the people. But, you always have the flag on your house. Right? And you always tell your children, I'm an ambassador of this and this country. Where do we see it by Yosef? Clearly. When his brothers finally find out he's Yosef, what do they do? It says, they're terrified. Nivhalu. They were terrified. We understand why. (laughs) First of all, they didn't think they'll make it out alive. Right? We see it clearly. They didn't think they were going to be Second of all, they were ashamed. You know, and they knew what they did to their father for 22 years. What does Yosef say? Don't get depressed. They shouldn't get depressed. He was abused. He is the Nizik. They're the Mazikim. They perpetrated. 22 years he was torn away from his entire family. Imprisoned for 12 years. They shouldn't be depressed. He assumed that they're depressed. He, he was never depressed. Where does that come from? They're the ones who should say, you don't get depressed. Which, of course, they wouldn't say, because you don't get depressed. Thank you. Thank you, genius. I won't get depressed. I was a slave. I was a prisoner. I had to deal with it. Okay, the end of the story is nice. But till he got to the end of the story, he suffered for years and years without a single person in the world. 
Not a father, not a mother, not a brother, not a sister, not a relative, not a visitor, garnished. Nobody. And Apiderich Hatevi couldn't get out of prison. He tells them not to get depressed. Where does this come from? So he says one word. Kilemichia atem loy mechartem oisi. Kilemichia shlachani elekim lefnech. The way Yosef saw his life was, he wasn't sold by anybody. Wherever he ended up, he was sent by Hashem to that space. Why was he sent there? To bring light into darkness. That's why he was sent. But Mele, he was never a victim. But Mele, he was never powerless. This doesn't mean it's not difficult. Why he's not upset at Hashem? Hmm. Why he wasn't upset at Hashem? Because he looked at it as a privilege. God entrusted him. If you're sent to that place, it means that you have the empowerment to go there. In other words, he saw himself fully equipped. This is the journey of my soul. This is where I'm going to reach my fullest potential. This is where I'm going to fulfill God's purpose because you, can't, you can't send somebody on a mission, on a shlichus, if you don't empower them. So he always, whenever he saw a challenge, he didn't see, oi, this life is miserable. He said, I am empowered to deal with this challenge. That's why I was sent. Take it in a person's life. Some people have to deal with depression. You get up in the morning, some people just sprint out of bed and they come here 5.30. And they take the coffee and they're good. Other people, they wake up many days, Maybe even some people who come here five thirty. Maybe that's why they come. I don't know. But they wake up and they're questioning everything. Some it's depression is not a simple thing. How do you look at it? One way of looking at it is I'm a victim of a terrible situation, and these things don't stop. If it's inside, I'm giving an example of depression because it's very serious, but similar stuff as well. Or you say no, I was sent into dark places. Why was I sent there? Because my soul is empowered to do a shlichus there and bring in light to darkness. So whenever I see darkness, what I'm seeing is, I was sent here in order to transform my region. That's how Yosef saw life. Because he saw life, he never became cynical. He, but he had pain. He cried. Because life is painful. Disappointments are painful. And when somebody hurts, you cry. Pain. That, that's why he weeps. He's not a naive, lala, delusional person who's like, everything is awesome. It's just awesome. It's awesome. With, with, his, with his eyes with his eyes glazing, you know? We know where that comes from. He cried because he was in touch with life. Whenever you're in touch with life, there are moments that warrant tears. There are moments of pain. Yeah. Pain. It's pain. It's clarity from the pain. Yeah, pain is. People cry at a moment I ever told you the mice of the Talmud Rebbe? The Talmud Rebbe. I know. 
not all tears are Yosef's tears. You also have crocodile tears. Yeah? There's a word from the Kotzke Rebbe. The Gemara says about Metziah, Share Dmoyes, Loi Ninalu. The gates of tears were never sealed. So he said, if they were never sealed, why are there gates? <laughs> if, if the door never closes, why is there a door? Yeah, he said. Vosadar Amol, he said, Nadeshatredin. So then you need the Sharim. So then, Nadeshatredin. Nadeshatredin is a different type of demoyas. There's tears where you can actually do something about it, but you're busy crying. Stop crying and go do. Vosvenstu. So the Lubavitcher Rebbe once said a very nice, very powerful word. It says when Yosef met Binyamin, so Yosef cried on his neck, and Binyamin cried on his neck. So it says Yosef cried for the Beis of Chelek of Binyamin. That's why it says Tzavarov, two Beis And Binyamin cried on the Mishkan Shiloi of Yosef that would be destroyed, so Tzavarov. He doesn't understand, why didn't Binyamin also cry about his Beis and Yosef should cry about his Mishkan? He said, when it comes to your base amikdash, vanished. Two epis. <laughs> your base amikdash was vanished. Build it. Was vanished. It's your life. He says, but I can't build your life. I can empathize. I can cry. I can't build your life. I could be pained by what's happening and to try to help, but you can't build somebody else's life. You can cry with somebody about their life. He says, when you start crying about your life, it actually defeats the purpose because. Sometimes when people cry, they feel good, and then they go to sleep. You know when you have a good, uh, a good cry. A good cry. It's cathartic. cathartic. It's yes, yeah, like a certain, and, and you feel like absolved, and now you're good. I don't have to do anything. So sometimes actually, it, it defeats the purpose. But here we're talking about Yosef, and is never uh, paralyzed. He did what he had to do. He was an ambitious young man. You can't take over a superpower if you're not ambitious. He was ambitious, but he was very in touch with himself. The Tolner Rebbe. He has a very geschmack of Rav Weinberg from, from Eretz Yisrael. So he once said, uh, he was once schmoozing, so he once said, geschmack of art. It was al chatzachos, but it was a geschmack of art. If there's Breslov or Chabadska, I hope they won't get offended. He said, what's the difference between Breslov and Chabad? He said, what's the, sh- what's the difference? So Tony Rebbe said, I'll tell you the difference. Reb Nachman wanted the Breslov and Shrev Peyus. Why? He says, because probably some of them will end up in, uh, in Gehenim. And how is he going to get them out? How is he going to get them out? If they have long payers, you can come in. The payers don't get, end up in Gehenim. The payers remain immune. So mainly he could schlep them out by the payers in this. So the Tony Rebbe says, a breast of a chassid comes to heaven. So they ask him, no, you were a breast of a chassid, uh, like Reb Nachman wanted. He says, halavai, halavai. Emunne, simche, betachen. Could have been better. Go to Gehenna. Okay, he goes to Gehenna. It gets hot. gets hot like all the stories you learned in your childhood. What Gehenna looks like. It gets hotter and hotter. The barbecue goes up and up and up and up. And God is smiling. Finally, my revenge. My revenge for all the days that you came late to Shul and everything else. And Baruch Hashem. It's now my time to get back. And it's higher and higher and higher and higher. It's now 20,000 degrees. And at this point, God is mamish shep nachas ruach from from everything that's happening, and the breast of a chassid starts hurting. It's a brent, so he starts screaming. You ever heard a breast of at three o'clock in the morning uh, doing his boydedus and svas? You ever heard it? Tate Rebbe Rebbe. Reb Nachman hears a yitzrayt. He comes running. 
Os payas, yeah, chaps him on by his payas, schleps him out of Gehenna. Perfect. Tom the Rebbe says, a Lubavitcher chassid also comes to heaven. So, yeah, Chabatsky says, yeah. He says, you learned Torah like the Alter Rebbe wanted you should learn? He says, not really. You daven like he wanted you should daven? Not really. You were connected to the Rebbe, you should be connected? He says, not really. New, uh, spreading Yiddishkeit, you did? Uh, he says, he says, go to hell. Okay. So he goes to Gehenna, that's a word in the dictionary. So he goes to Gehenna, and uh, again, we're not going to describe all the, all the fires, because in Chabad they don't grow up with all these fires, but, uh, but sure, they have the Gehenna, and it gets hotter and hotter and hotter and hotter, so he starts screaming. So Tolna Rebbe says, Rebbe. She says, the Lubavitch Rebbe hears a yid screaming. He shouldn't go to him. So he goes. He goes to him. And he says, Rebbe, Rebbe, get me out of here. He says, Lubavitch Rebbe goes over to him. The Tolna Rebbe says, the Rebbe takes out a dollar. <laughs> gives him the dollar. And says, Hatzloch Rebbe in dein Shlich is done. <laughs> you should have a lot of Hatzloch in your mission right here. That's what the Tolna Rebbe, the Tolna Rebbe said. The vart is a profound vart. The vart is, the Mishnah says, Az ponim legehenim, uboishas ponim leganeidin. What does it mean? Ad teich yeshiva. If you're a chutzpinyak, you're a chutzif, where do you go? Go to Gehenna. If you ask the principal, why are you an abusive person? You go to Gehenna. If you tell your father that the teacher is a reitzayach because he embarrasses kids in public and sometimes kills them, you go to Gehenna. If you're an embarrassed person, you come home with two red faces. You remember, you come home with two red faces and you walk like this and you're crushed, you go to Gan Eden. Yeah, a culture is created from this Mishnah. But Talmidi Abba Shem Tev used to teach Azai. As Ponim, somebody who has guts, Legehenim, such a person you could send to Gehenim. Boishas Ponim, somebody who's mediocre, somebody who's timid, these people you have to keep in Gan Eden. <laughs> if you send them out of their four Amis, they'll melt away. To be able to go to Gehenim, you have to have As Ponim, you have to have confidence, you have to have Chutzpah. You have to be able to define your environment, not let your environment define you. That was Yosef. Yosef could be sent because he was sent. He was sent. So you tell me I'm in Gehenim. He never said I'm in Gehenim. I'm, a shli- I'm on a shlichus. I'm on a shlichus to transform the situation. That's a whole different mahalach. For this, you have to have a deep relationship with God. This is where therapy meets spirituality, by definition. Because then, this piece, you can't get from a regular therapist. What is he going to tell you? He can help you figure out how bad your mother was. Okay, Baruch Hashem. So now you know what a mother you have. Baruch Hashem, for the rest of your life, you look at your mother and you understand. Or you think you understand. I mean, you'll probably figure out, not everything he said was, it's a little more complicated. Fine. You figured out your father, you figured out your spouse, you figured out your wife, you figured out your husband, you figured out uh, whoever you figured out. But then there's the other piece that's missing. And when that's missing, it's a very, it a, becomes a serious issue. And that is what he's going to describe, the brilliance of the interpretation. We go now back to the beginning of the Mayim. He started off, 
Ufare Choylum. At the end of two years, Pare had a dream. But what was the Pasuk before? The Saramashkim forgot Yosef. So he said, when you read the Torah, you have to read it, because he forgot him, Vayimekech Nasayim Yomim. What Pshad the Saramashkim forgot Yosef? Who's the Saramashkim? Saramashkim in this Maim is a hero. He is the man who takes the grapes, and the grapes represent every Neshama, Gefen. And he squeezes the grapes, and he brings out the wine. Either the Yayin HaMesameach, or the Yayin HaMeshaker, and he puts it in a cup. On para. He's a hero. But he forgot Yosef. He forgot Yosef. He worked through everything. He got to his soul. He got to his depth. But he forgot Yosef. He forgot that he was sent by Hashem through everything. That's what happened. He forgot that piece. Forgot means he may have not known it. He may have not understood that you're not, you're not living in a vacuum. God conceived you in love. He knows your life story. We say in davening, Kihu yada yitzreinu. He knows our yitzer. Don't think you're yitzahara. Yitaka havak shayne yitzahara. No problem, no question. Hastake shmake gedichte yitzahara. You got to deal with stuff. But there's somebody who knows it. He created it. You weren't sent to Gehenim, or I mean Gehenim as a metaphor. You weren't sent into your life in a vacuum. You were conceived with a plan. And you weren't sold. You were sent. And whenever you send somebody somewhere, by definition it means, I'm not going to send a shliach to open up a, my comp- to open up a chapter of my company in Indonesia without making sure he has the money, he has, knows the language, and he has the, the gear, and he has the ability to do it. So when you're sent somewhere, you're evaluated first, and you make sure, the sender makes sure that you're empowered to fulfill your mission. If not, it's not a mission. That's what Yosef always understood. So wherever he was, he always knew one thing. The challenge may be real, but the empowerment is as real. And the empowerment is more powerful than the challenge because it can deal with it. If not, I was sent there, I was sent there in vain. And because he never lost that perspective, therefore, despite tremendous uh, trials, and as I told you, if you would send his resume to a psychoanalyst... And you would ask the psychoanalyst, give me a diagnosis of this kid, Yosef. What would you think most people would say? If you read the story of what he went through, most people would say, there's only one solution for his life. <laughs> and it's a very sad solution, and it's a solution that some people resort to. There's no solution for him. And yet, when you look at Yosef, Prozac won't help. And Zoloft won't help. And other things won't help with Yosef. Well, what, what, is he, what is this kid supposed to do? Doomed from day one. Doomed. And the worst thing is that he had a father who loved him a little too much. The worst thing. He'll always remember that it's love that actually killed him. <laughs> Not even hate. It's love that killed him. Even better. Right? And nonetheless, you see the exact opposite profile. Why? Because he had a Nakuda. The Nakuda was Yosef Tainug Venachas Ruch of Yisbarach. That was his child. Yosef. Where is the opportunity right now to fulfill God's mission? Where is it? He never asked why. He asked where. Did he figure out why exactly God needs this mission? That people don't. We, that we don't know. To start asking those questions, it's usually futile because we don't know. Some things we know, some things we don't know. But that wasn't Yosef's question. Yosef's question was, what is my shlichus and how do I fulfill it? And the certainty that he could. So that's what he now is mamshich. V'zeo shamer 
So this is like the punchline. When you don't remember Yosef, what's Yosef? Yosef is the musig that I'm here in life to be marba, to be Yosef Tainuk, to fulfill the ultimate, ultimate pleasure, the ultimate simcha of Hashem. You forget Yosef, you know what's going to happen? Miketz. Loshen soif v'tichla. Miketz means the end, termination. L'pchines shnasayim yamim. Two days, two years. What shnasayim? Pirush. Sheyich lechas v'shalom as l'pchines What you lose is, you don't want the Torah. Sheyich shnasayim yamim. Come on, Yishakosav. It says in Mishle. V'eyeshashuyim yoyim yoyim. The Torah speaks and says, I was God's spiltzaik. Shashuyim. His, huh? His what? Plaything. Day, day. Why day, day? Shnasayim yamim. Alpayim shana. Two thousand years. Again, yoim yoim. Each yoim is elef. Kadma toira toira loylam. Vayinu kamesh kasev b'tikunim. It says in tikunim zeh chachim v'la bechachim yedia meivim v'la bevini yedia. There's two elements. There's chachma and bina. Hashem's chachma and bina is also chachma, but it's beyond ours. Pchinis chachma is toira shabiksav. Pchinis bina is toira shabalper. So toira is called shnasayim yamim. Because Torah is divided in Torah Shabiksav, which is Chachma, Torah which is Bina. The difference is Chachma is the seminal point of inspiration. Bina is the development of the idea. Torah Shabiksav is concise, cryptic. Torah Shabbat develops it. If you would rely on Torah Shabiksav, you would not know what not to do on Shabbos. It says, don't do Malacha. That's like a father. That's like Chachma. He contributes the seed, the sperm. What are you going to do with it? Microscopically, it has the child, but you can't do anything with it. The mother takes the seed, develops it into a full fetus. That's Torah Shabal Peh. Torah Shabal Peh is the mother, Bina, that develops the Chachma. So Torah Shnasayim Yomim, Chachma Bina, Torah Shabal Torah Shabal Peh, Ve'eyeh Shashuim Yomim Yomim, Alpayim Shonakadma Torah Lohim. What happens when you forget Yosef? Shnasayim Yomim ends. What's Pshat? Ki Machmas Shekava Nasi Bishvil Atzmai, Eino Choshish Lignois Ha'or Bekli. Listen to these words. Because you only think about your spiritual and psychological perfection, you do not think about taking the oil and hiding it in a keli. All you want is inspiration that comes during davening. You want the high of Judaism. You will ultimately say goodbye to structure because you don't really have God. It's ultimately a form of spiritual narcissism. Spiritual narcissism defies structure. It hates structure. All it wants is a high. I want to feel good. Because I want to feel good, I don't want kalim. Kalim is the opposite of feeling good. Kalim is making it real, making it concrete, making it eternal. In order to make it eternal, you have to realize that the structure is going to fade. You have to, the light is going to fade. You have to have kalim. That's generally defined by Torah. Torah is very structured. Torah is very structured. As long as you want the oil itself, you just want the hisgalos by tefillah. So it's very gishmak. But because you don't have Yosef, so you don't think about God. God wants you, Hashem wants you in this world. Hashem wants that you should live a life that's infused with inspiration. Hashem wants that the inspiration should continue. Hashem wants you should be wholesome, not only when you're having a high. He wants your whole life should be a wholesome life. For that, you have to take the oil and put it into structure. So structure actually, paradoxically, comes from a deeper relationship with Hashem. Again, you have structure that comes without light. People that their whole life is only about structure. There's nothing in the structure. We're not talking about that. That's the opposite extreme. 
that's a Yiddish guy that's all about structure. Here he's talking about a Yiddish guy that's about infinity. But if you want infinity to be real, you have to put it into Kalim. But to think about that, I have to think about Hashem, because the need for Kalim is a divine need. In order there should be a because he wants that spirituality should be integrated into real life. For it to be integrated into real life, you're not always going to be flying high. It doesn't work that way. You have to have the structure of Torah. The structure of Torah allows you to translate infinite vision into concrete reality. But for that, I have to think about Yosef. When there's no Yosef, the Sarah Mashkim, who's a great man, he represents Tfilah, Koil, Mo'erida Kavoni. Remember, the Mashkim is the Koil, the Kona, the foot, the windpipe. He forgets Yosef, the Torah is gone because Torah actually takes it into, into structure. Into structure. It would basically be a romance without a marriage. What's romance without marriage? It's great. <laughs> what does marriage do? I don't want to say it kills romance, even though it's often true. But basically what happens is, you're suddenly sitting on each other's head. Now you have to make it work. And most of married life, we all know, is not about... Uh, it's not about flying. It's about, you know, you've got to take out the garbage and pay, pay tuition and... Uh, and argue about, uh, you know, how many guests are coming for Shabbos, etc. So whatever the situation is, you're dealing with a, a Misa where everything becomes concrete and structured. In many ways, it frustrates passion. But if you understand God's vision, it really doesn't frustrate passion. It internalizes passion. It concretizes. Did I make up a word now? It concretizes passion. It concretizes passion, right? That's a very different word. Of course, as I said, it could be marriage without any passion. Just Caleb without Oy. That's another tragedy. He's not even addressing that in this moment. When somebody's whole religion is just about structure. Here he's talking about somebody who gets to the infinite. They get to the soul. But they want to stay there. So Yosef says, you've got to bring it back into Caleb. What happens the next situation here? Now it gets even better. <laughs> what happens next is Pare starts dreaming. Even the wine that he accessed is not true anymore. It's all now a dream. In other words, even the oil leaves. So now the person falls into the roller coaster of emotions. Because even the wine has become a dream. All he feels is his emotions. What's the dream? You have six fat cows coming out. And then seven lean cows come out. They eat up the fat cows. You look at the lean cows, you don't even see that they ever ate up the fat cows. The light of the fat cows, it disappeared so deeply. He never even imagines that he ever had an experience of God. He ever davened. That's how much the inspiration disappears. It completely disappears that everything, he even doubts that there was ever inspiration. So in other words, the whole thing becomes one big dream. Why? Because there was Miketz Shnosayim Yom. So therefore the key is, you got to the wine, you must have Yosef. Yosef says, you've got to go into Caleb. If it's not in Caleb, if it's not internalized, if it's not integrated, if it's not part of your daily normal routine, ultimately nothing remains. That's what Torah is. 
Torah Shabbat and Torah Shabbat are the structures of Yiddishkeit. When you learn Gemara, you learn Halach, it's all structure. And here is always the question. You know, people have two versions of Judaism. You come to some places, they speak about spirituality. And then you come to other places, and they're learning Shulchan Aruch or Gemara. It's like a whole different reality. Which one is Judaism? And one often doesn't recognize the other. For some people, all of Judaism is figuring out the worms and the lettuce. Figuring out the sheer hadas according to the Chazarnish versus Rebchayim Noah. And that becomes everything. It becomes the key issue of how long the tights is. The, 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 you start measuring if it's this nekuda, that nekuda. That's where God is. God is nowhere else. God is in concrete structure, action. This you do, this you don't do. And some systems are exclusively built on that. And then you have some pockets, and today it's a little popular, right? Where everything is love, 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 love. Vus halacha, vu halacha, ven halacha. Somebody says he went into a cafe somewhere in Arizona. So there's a man sitting there and eating. And uh, he sees he has tattooed on his arm, Yudke Vovke. So tattooed on his arm, he has Sheba Mephardish. Sheba so, uh, everything is love, everything is energy. And the question is, are the two Judaisms, are the two elements the same? Is it compatible? So here he teaches. There's Yayin HaMesameach, there's Yayin HaMeshaker. And then there's the Kalim. And the Kalim comes because you have Yosef. When you have Yosef, you're asking what God needs. What God needs, not what feels good. If it's what feels good, Kalim don't feel good always. Kalim defy often what feels good because Kalim challenge you to limit the light, to put it into Kalim. And that's what all of Gemara is, all of Allah is. It takes the light and it compresses it into structures and models of thinking and of behavior. But what's inside those Kalim? Infinity. And that's why any sugya of Allah. If you'll dig through the keli, you'll find the oil. But it's always in the keli. And there's manim. Jiddushkar is based on manim. There's man krishma, there's man tefillah, there's shabbos, there's yomtev. I once spoke to a yid. He's already on the oil It's from the renewal movement. So I asked him, I said, what did you have to tell your talmidim that you could garden on shabbos? One of the lama tesmolachas. Chodesh, Zaydeya. He says, he tells me, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak, he says, the Rabbi Shalom wanted to give a day of rest. I tell my talmidim, if serenity for you means going out and mowing the lawn and gardening, he says, do you know how much tainug I have in gardening? Do you know the pleasure that it brings? So you go garden, that is how you connect to God. That is how you connect to a day of rest. So he decided what his, what menuche is, and he interprets it that way. But there's Lama Tesmalachas of Shabbos, those are kalim. They're kalim. And then you open up a Shulchan Aruch, and every Malacha has Pratim and Pratim Pratim, and Bamed Vodim Amurim, and Enim Miskavin, and Psikration. If you do it this way, do it that way, and And God is busy with this? <laughs> God is busy with this. One said from the Rebbe, he said, a Jew, he was speaking Purim, so he said, Ayid thinks, I ate meat five hours and 59 minutes ago. I want to eat a shtickle milchik of chocolate. So you're going to tell me, that Hashem is looking at a stopwatch and saying, and if he eats milk before, 
He says, isn't that insulting <laughs> to the intelligence of a human being? <laughs> Never mind to the intelligence of a God, that a human being, Lagabe God, is far infinitely smaller than a marble, Lagabe, the entire universe. Never mind planet Earth. The relationship between a marble and the universe is, is bigger, larger than God, man and God. That's what God is busy with. He was explaining what, how Amalek introduces his ideas. It's a psychical pella. That's where Kalim are frustrated, their Kalim are structured. But he tightened his ear, without that, the Ori won't remain. You're going to get rid of Shnasayim Yomim, suddenly, Paroi, your big Yilia Lakos, it's going to be one big Chalam, a dream. Nothing, like you see it in a marriage. The romance is flying above and high. As a person once told me, Tarius HaMeshpach is not for me. I said, why not? He said, because I'm too much in love. You hear? Taras HaMeshpach is not for him because he's too much. He said, it's good for you guys because you don't know what love is. So immediately you could separate. But me, I'm in love and therefore it's not an issue. Right? Or as I once had a chavis, or when he was engaged, he was whatever doing. But what, what I asked him, what's pshat? So he said, when you really love people, there's no limitations. Right? It sounds very geschmack. The only problem is that four years later he found somebody more interesting. And that was the end of his marriage. So what happened? Habatalia! There was no Yosef. There was no Yosef. It's not just about you feel good. You're serving God. You're on a mission. Of course you should feel good, but that's also part of God's will. Bemele, there's respect for boundaries. There's respect for structure. Structure allows it to remain real in 20 years from now. Because your moods are going to change. You think your moods are not going to change. People get bored of things. You're not going to get bored? Of course you're going to get bored. So if it's all emotion, 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 it feels good. Tomorrow doesn't feel good. Other things make me feel good. If you understand that there's something that transcends your own story, your own emotion, and you can internalize that, then the structures are conducive for that eternity. But if not, you have fari choylem. The whole thing becomes a dream, and what happens? All the fat cows, the fat cows, the good years, the geshmaka years, you don't even remember that it exists. You ask a person, they come to marital therapy, they say, did you ever have a good marriage? What? Good marriage? The guy was a jerk from day one. He was an abuser. <laughs> you were crazy about it. Look at the pictures. Look at the pictures. What happened to the Sheva Paris Atoivis? It became a chol. It becomes so remote that you become disgusted with your inspiration. You become disgusted. You can't even believe he ever had it. So now the last lines. What's Yosef? He understands the kavon is to give nachas Tashem He wants a home in this world. In other words, he wants a home in the real world. Doesn't want you in heaven. And earth is a place of darkness. When you're dealing with darkness, that's where you make a diri betachtoinim. In a place where you're not inspired. For that, you have to bring it in. You have to bring it into Caleb. The mile of Caleb is that they're steady. They contain the light. They don't let it go. But they contain it. So when a person has that, Then, it's not about the consciousness of his emotions. The consciousness of his emotions, I feel, I feel. They're not nirgish, not because he doesn't have emotions. 
because his emotions are completely aligned with the truth of the experience. And Mikoshikin, when he has the Yosef approach, he doesn't see his life as Ra. He understands that in everything there's purpose, in everything there is Toiv. Mashaykin in the world of Paroi, after Mikesh Nasayim Yamim, Paroi Choylem, the Sheva Paris, and then there's other Paris, and they destroy these Paris. Mashaykin in the Pchina of Yosef, the Midas don't become consciously self-contained and detached from the truth. The Midas are here to serve Hashem, and Bemele, even the Sheva Paris Hatoivis, are not independent from God's mission. You don't fly high with them independent, and therefore the person can also withstand the challenge when he sees Ra, because he knows that there's Toiv God on the side. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.